Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Friday, December the 15th, the start of the school holidays for some, those of us with kids. And I've been feeling a little under the weather this week. You might be able to hear it in my voice. We also had a sudden death in the family. So tragic times um, in a number of ways for different people. One of my previous guests also had a similar situation with someone in his family. So I'm sending love as always, but especially to anyone who's had a family thing happen recently. Um, On a brighter note, one of the things that I did last weekend was my parents were in town from Wellington because my son was in a musical. So he actually had three solos that he sung and he never sings around the house. So we never get to hear until we're sitting in those seats and the bright lights are shining on him. Oh, it was magic. So, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm just hanging on to that because my parents were able to see him. And then, of course, we had the family um, issue as well. But luckily, they were already in town. Um, So speaking of musicals, how do you live your life? I, at one stage when I was, um, I guess, in my early 20s, before marriage, before kids, I used to say I live my life like a Chinese calendar. And I literally had about a year where it was like the year of multi-sport. And then I had the the year of musicals. And I was in a musical called Copacabana when I moved to Christchurch after working at Outward Bound in Mulber Sounds. My husband and I moved to Christchurch so he could study engineering at Canterbury. And while we were there, I did this musical. And I'm not going to start singing. I'm just really talking about um, how do you live your life? That's really my point. Um, And living from a place of empowerment is really, really important. And speaking of empowerment, here's my segue. Speaking of empowerment, I do have a giveaway on at the moment. It is literally ending today. So if you're listening to this on the 15th, it ends at five o'clock. And if you want to enter to win one of six prizes um, all around empowerment, most of them are coaching, uh, but one of them, mine also includes an essential oil and a true you consult. Uh, You can go and find the post. Just look for a, a gift box. You can go and find the post on my Up Your Brave on Facebook. Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh or Up Your Brave on Instagram. Go and check it out. And another thing I wanted to mention, something I posted on Facebook just yesterday. I I literally typed this. In case you haven't heard, courage is the new cool. I just wanted to see what people would say. And I got loads of comments and it was so interesting. And I mean, I really do. I really think that right now, specifically with more and more truths coming to the forefront, more and more people having a little bit more courage to vocalize things. Um, And of course, people are courageous in different ways in their life, vocalizing their views, and for some, apologizing and acknowledging for how they treated others. That, I believe, does take true courage. Speaking of courage, I just found out um, a few days ago that one of my previous guests, Janelle Fletcher, probably one of the most huge-hearted woman in New Zealand, you know, she's always doing so much for everybody else. She just had her yurt, which is actually her home, destroyed in a windstorm in Wanaka. So they've set up a give a little page and I just wanted to do a little shout out for her. 
I'm actually personally going to donate 10% of my personal sales from doTERRA, which is the essential oils side of my business, in December to support her. But if you want to support her, you can go, I'll post it on my Up Your Brave socials as well. You can go and find um, her my post about Janelle and the link to the give a little if you want to donate. Otherwise, literally just go and comment or drop an emoji in a comment because that even helps with the organic reach as well. Even if you just like the post or make a comment, that also helps more people to see it. Um, I know there's lots of people struggling at the moment, but I wanted to do a shout out because there's so many incredible people um, and sometimes random things happen like that. Let's go to our mailbag and let's hear what our listeners have to say. We've got one here. This is anonymous. Yes, I believe many people are suffering a form of PTSD, also toxic relationship trauma. It's not well understood. You don't need a real war. Absolutely. And that was in reference to my interview with Faye Lewand last week. So if you'd missed that one, check it out on the replays. You guys are going to have a lot of time to check out the replays because we are actually going on holiday, real, uh, reality check radio holiday um, for basically all of January and the rest of December. So I was like, oh my goodness, this is my final show for a while. So, but it's all good. We're going to have a Christmas special. We're going to see those of you um, on the backstage pass. Um, sorry, at the backstage event, um, those of you in the Foundations Club, we're going to see you on Sunday. And uh, there's tons of replays you can listen to. All right, back to the mailbag. Here we are. Now, this one's a long one. I probably won't read out most of it, but I'll read out some of it. Dear Natalie, your morning guest, Faye, did she mention the modern world overwhelm that is out um, that is out current predicament, that is our current predicament, it should say? Um, yes, there is past trauma from childhood, and there is a relational trauma from poorly constructed partnerships that we don't expect. But not only is today's society in overwhelm from modern technology, too much phone, too much work screens, too much computer time, too much TV, too much fear based on the news, but also consistent pressure by various groups designed to keep us in confusion, the COVID narrative, et cetera, et cetera. I absolutely agree. There is so many things, there are so many things that we are consistently being bombarded with. And I feel like if we just come from a place of groundedness. I was going to use the word peace. I know it's hard to feel peace when there is so much going on, but as much as we can, if we can just connect to ourselves, for some of us connecting to source, whatever that means to you, being grounded and not getting caught up in the hoopla, but also being aware of what is going on so that you are not caught um, off guard, I suppose. It is a fine balance. We've got another one here. This is from Peter Hamilton. Hi, Natalie. Excellent program this morning. Appreciated the discussion on Christianity. Regards, Peter Hamilton. We actually had so many messages come in. So last week, if you missed it, I had an interview with Christopher Watson, one of our listeners who wrote in and said, Nat, I just wrote this book. Happy to share my ebook. Can I come on your show as a guest? And he is also a foundation member. So we'd seen his name come up in comments. And I was more than happy to interview him and just draw out and share his wisdom. He was very passionate. And we got loads of people writing in, thanking us for um, sharing on the topic of Christianity. Here's another one. I enjoyed the Christian interview with Christopher this morning and was impressed with interviewer Natalie, who asked intelligent questions and followed with interest. Letting the man interview, letting the man interviewed speak without continuously interrupting and skilled in drawing him out. 
I hope to hear more. Thank you, Liz Black. Thank you, Liz, for, well, thank you for the acknowledgement of my interview skills or technique, um, but also thank you for taking the time to write in. And by the way, I have passed a lot of these messages on to Christopher so that he also is in the loop. He is not really on socials. He is only accessible by email. Here's one. I didn't quite get the email address. Could you please send it to me? This guy speaks my God's language. Thanks. I will tell you guys now his email address if you missed it. And we did put it on the replays page. And I think I also put it on my socials, but I know it's hard for everyone to find. Here we go. If you want to reach out to Christopher Watson, who was our guest last week on Christianity, you can email him. Literally, that's the only way. I'm going to spell it for you. It's watc at proton.me. Here we go. Watc, W-A-T-T-Y-C, as in Christopher, at symbol, so the at symbol, proton, P-R-O-T-O-N dot M-E. Watc at proton dot me. You can email him and I'm pretty sure he's giving his ebook away for free. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if it's free, but you can contact him and find out. Um, another one here. Please may I have the email address website for your guest. Yep, there we go. Um, another one here. Hello, could I have the email address you just announced for the free ebook? Okay, it is free. By Chris. I've just tuned in. Thanks, Marlene. See, so many people writing in. Yep, here's another one from John. Thanks so much. And another one from Peter. I'd appreciate if you can confirm Christopher's email address. The reason I'm reading all of those out to you, and I know they're all pretty much the same, is to highlight how popular this topic was. And if you got, if you guys like it, <laughs> we're going to give you some more. Um, so in the new year, I will definitely be diving into that more with either Christopher again or another guest. We'll see what happens. Thank you for today's interview with the lovely Christian man interviewed by Natalie. I would love you to interview Peter Mortlock as he has been an amazing freedom fighter and explains the Bible so well. Thanks so much for today. Really helped. Kind regards, Terry Gooding. Well, there you go. There's an idea. Thank you so much, Terry. Natalie, the link to Christopher's contact for the PDF book. Details for purchasing the hard copy. I think he doesn't have a hard copy, actually. Here's another one. Thanks, Natalie, for having Christopher Watson on and giving him the chance to share about his faith as a Christian so freely. I could not imagine an interview on MSM that would do that. It is another reason to appreciate all the wonderful work of RCR, the only radio station in NZ, brave enough to genuinely listen to different points of view. Thank you for writing in. That is so amazing. And one more here about Faye's interview. Um, this was on our Facebook page. So we do keep we, we do keep an eye on what you guys are posting. We want to share it. Thank you, Jennifer Lyons, for writing in. Um, and she says... Exactly the point of my post today, our body and mind are connected and we need to listen when health issues crop up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for writing in, guys. Reminder, if you do want to write in, it's 2057 on text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. I'm going to let you know about our upcoming guests and I'm going to share a Facebook post that I wrote when I because I do promote our upcoming shows on um, socials as well before they come out. This is what I wrote. I realized something this week and even started crying yesterday when I told some of my previous interview guests about it. By the way, I had a little networking event with some of my um, Up Your Brave radio guests. It was so much fun to bring them together in person online to meet each other. That was a side note. Here's what I wrote. Never in my 15 years in business have I felt more impactful than I feel right now with my quest for truth and my showing up as me letting my more woo or spiritual side shine, and especially with my beloved radio show. 
It's more than a radio show. It's a long-form podcast-style interview conversations where I get to spend 30 to 50 minutes with someone amazing and share their wisdom with New Zealand. I've spoken in the past at live events to, an, to audiences of 400 to 4,000 people, but this feels bigger and more pivotal during these times. I know that we are collectively raising the vibration, using frequency, and the power of our voices and the words that we speak, as well as the insight we cover. So thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have, and for sharing a replay with someone in your life, if you have too, for being foundation members, if you are in the club, um, or contributing in whatever way, buying merch, wearing it, displaying it, it all adds up. So this week is my last Up Your Brave show for 2023 on Reality Check Radio before we go into holiday mode, and it's a goodie. Uh, but you'll also be able to get the best ofs and replays over the holidays, like I said before. So here's my lineup for today. I've got Craig Reynolds coming up. He is an energ energetic integrator talking about the miracle unfolding. Then I'm speaking with Peter Aziz, who is a shaman and healer on the topic of healing the unhealable. And I was joking with him that he literally wins the prize for being the fastest talking guest I have ever had. So you might have to put it on slow-mo if you listen to the replay, um, but I'm sure you'll be able to keep up. The final guest is a returning guest. I've got Nolene Levinson today on homeopathy for first aid for kids. So I hope you enjoy that. And before we get into those interviews, as you know, I've been teaching my dance fit class, which I'm going to continue probably weekly, actually, in the new year. Um, so I've got this playlist. You can follow it. It's called Dance Fit on Spotify, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. Um, and a quick thank you from Angie Faith. I shared her song last week where she sang an Adele song. She only had 10 subscribers on Spotify. And I said, let's have a goal of getting to 100. Well, she's now well over 100. Thanks to you listeners. Welcome back, everybody. You're here with me, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, on the Up Your Brave show on Reality Check Radio. And next, I'm talking to Craig Reynolds on the topic of the miracle unfolding. Welcome, Craig. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So good to connect. I know that we've been um, messaging each other on WhatsApp. So many interesting conversations to be had today. For those of you that don't know Craig, he has been plugged in, so to speak, from a very early age. As a child, he remembers numerous out-of-body episodes where he would experience time and space distortions. As he grew, he learned to shut down to shut this down and attempted to fit in and be normal, failing miserably. He descended into two decades of darkness, utilizing anything and everything he could to disconnect from the calling that was constantly perusing him, pursuing him. He found himself at chiropractic college, graduated, and started working with a technique called network spinal analysis. 20 years on, and most of his work is now energetic in nature, integrating the bound of energy of the body with the unbound energetic informational field that surrounds and connects us all. Well, Craig, this sounds very interesting and intriguing. Um, before we dive into the topic of the miracle unfolding, can you give us a bit more backstory on your journey, which seems like quite an eventful one? Yeah, absolutely, Natalie. Yeah, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, the chiropractic aspect was really awakening me to a universal intelligence. The philosophy that I heard uh, about a, a organizing force that was beyond the individual, but also interwoven within the individual, really switched something on in me. Uh, I, I also had an awareness that 
this physical body that we're experiencing uh, the physical reality through is a self-organizing system. So it's designed to heal, to organize itself, to continually evolve and expand. So I was really drawn to that um, to that element. And as I started through the chiropractic journey, I realized that in order to really fulfill that um, promise for, that the philosophy made, we were going to need to look a little bit beyond the structural adjustment that I was being taught from a traditional perspective. So this technique, network spinal analysis, was in the early stages of really helping us to understand that all fundamental sustainable change would have to come from within. And that my job wasn't really to fix the body or to realign it, but to tap into the intelligence that organizes us. And that if we could do that successfully, the body would organize itself. And it was geared or orientated towards growth. So personal development, self-development, growth, evolution started to become the focus point for me. Mm. And then as I went further and further down the pathway, really exiting chiropractic and moving more and more towards understanding how do we optimize uh, the system, the vessel that we're in, not just from a physical perspective, but also mentally, emotionally and spiritually. How do we really integrate that? Uh, These processes just started to really unfold further and further from within me. To the point we find ourselves at now where a lot of what I'm understanding is that the physical form that we're experiencing life through is actually a, a product of the unbound energetic field that surrounds every one of us. Uh, and the, it's the same field that we're all interconnected through. So the concept that we're not separate is really starting to ring home. Um, really starting to see the interconnectedness of all things. Uh, and that's a very exciting time. It It is an exciting time. Um, and because I think a lot of people are realizing that connection between the, the body and the mind and the body's natural ability to heal. Are you seeing a bit of a shift with the way people approach their own body, their health and wellness? Yeah, yeah we're definitely seeing a shift in the capacity for the system to reorganize. So, you know, 30 to 40 years ago, the human developmental psychologists began to um, track and see that there was a major developmental shift starting to occur in humanity. All the previous agreed upon levels of development, and there were five of those levels of development, had all been partial, uh, uh, but complete within themselves, but partial. They weren't really whole. And for the first time, they were really starting to see an individual showing up that was much more integrated, where they valued and were understanding all of the previous aspects that had come before, but then transcending and including that to create one whole integrated system. So they were starting to see that in an individual. So rather than being a specialist of the mind or a, a, an athlete, um, or but then not being able to have a relationship or hold down a job, they're really starting to see that we were getting this one unified system. And so I drew into that and started to look at that and understood that that was quite a major shift that would happen if all of humanity went through that. So probably about 15 years ago, I started to put my attention or information came to me really, which drew me towards the awareness of a shifting consciousness. Uh, on my website, there's a, um, an article there uh, called A Shifting Consciousness, and it really explains how the systems and structures that we're seeing right now in this present day um, being stretched and struggling to organize to the next level of development, they were going to come apart and we were going to start experiencing life and organizing ourselves in radically different ways, ways that we couldn't really comprehend. 
So fast forward to now, and what I'm observing every day in the office now is really a integrated system. Uh, coherence is a key word. Uh, we're seeing nervous systems that are becoming much more energy efficient. There's a real vibrational change occurring in people. And previously, it would take a series of visits to get to that. Now I'm seeing people showing up who I haven't really worked on. And after a visit or two, their whole system is vibrating at a different frequency. And it's a more coherent, it's more um, congruent, it's more in alignment with who they are. People are starting to see beyond the stories, they're effectively observing life from beyond the matrix. So they can see the programming, they can see the systems and the structures. And again, how those systems and structures have supported us to this point in time, but really don't look like there's much more wiggle room for them to go to that next level. So yes, I'm seeing major changes. It's happening very, very rapidly. Uh, there's changes in multiple areas. I'll share a little bit more of that. To get there, one of the vehicles, the vehicle that I'm working with to get people there, is really about helping the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of ourselves to come into alignment, to resolve anything that's bound up within us from our past. So anything that's unresolved, anything that we have been avoiding, uh, consciously or unconsciously, uh, is very rapidly coming to the surface now, not just as an individual, but also as a collective, as a culture, as humanity as a whole. Um, you know, we're being exposed, so to speak. Uh, a lot of what has been hidden in the shadows is now coming into the light. It's not that comfortable for everybody because it's going to require some structural, some behavioral, some perceptual changes on an individual and collective level. So very, very exciting times. You know, the title of the talk, um, A Miracle Unfolding, is you know, that's exactly how I observe it. Some of what I'm hearing from people is, is extraordinary. Magical things are happening in their life as their nervous system becomes more and more coherent. I guess what excites me the most about that is that the process is becoming more user-friendly because the demands on people's time and resources to come to that point are becoming less and less and less as more people reach that critical point and we start to have this tipping point where people are coming online, so to speak. For those of you that are listening, we'd love to know if this resonates and specifically that uh, point that Craig just mentioned about things coming into the light, things that you need to maybe acknowledge or release, let go of. Let us know if that resonates for you. Um, 2057 on the text, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Yeah. So what do you mean when you talk about the miracle unfolding? Well, what is that exactly? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously it's multi-layered, but the the idea of a shift in consciousness for humanity as a collective, a unifying of uh, of us individually to understand and to start to work as one complete whole organism, uh, that's miraculous in itself. But I guess from a tangible everyday experience, you know, some of the some of the feedback that we're getting from people, some of the things that they are coming in and sharing with us, some of the experiences I'm having, um, yeah, it's just it's nothing short of um, like a fairy tale starting to unfold. Uh, people coming in and having spontaneous um, synchronicities and and areas of life just magically opening up for them, relationships, job opportunities, um, people being called into more high end leadership roles. Um, people starting to detach from the circumstances and starting to come in and, and talking and articulating to us in terms of energy, actually starting to explain not what's happening in their life, but the energetics of that, starting to see how 
where we focus our attention uh, with energy and conscious choice. Uh, we are master creators. We're master manifestors. But what I'm getting and what I'm seeing is that people are not doing that anymore from a place of lack. So people are coming in and there, there is no need to release anything. There's no healing really to be done because everything was perfect just to bring us to this point in time where we start to awaken to what we truly are, which is you know a spiritual, mental, emotional being. Uh, we're soul incarnated. We're having a physical experience, but we are not just this physical experience. Um, you know, there's a vision from the future that I'm getting that's sort of downloading and that suggests that in the future, in the not so distant future, I believe, you know, humanity has gone beyond the illusion of this physical reality and our circumstances being the only game in town. Uh, the dramas, the polarizations, the judgments, the hierarchies, we realize there's way more than that. And there's almost like an obsession or a hunger to seek more, to go beyond, to keep growing and developing. That's the primary objective that we, uh, I believe, will we'll start to focus on in the near distant future. Um, in addition to that, we're really seeking a richer, richer magical, more sort of extraordinary experience of life. But it's not so much for ourselves. It's more about those we impact, how we can unify and bring people together to collaborate. Um, you know, there's a there's a hunger. Um, we're learning, we're giving and getting. You know, one of the key messages I'd like to put across to your audience because I see. You know, a lot of the people who are of service giving, 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 giving and not mm -hmm. receiving. And that's an incomplete. Because then they end up in a heap. Yeah. And there's a crash, you know, and then they get frustrated because it's like, oh, I'm giving all of this and I'm not getting what I need. So, you know, the integrated um, version of humanity that the masses will move towards at some stage, they're going to need to see really um, good examples to model. And so we've got to learn to give and get and we've got to learn and 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 be okay with that being something that we may not have done so well. But the the real the real key is that we are going to start, and I'm seeing this with the people that I'm that I'm serving and impacting. We're going to start working with the multidimensional energies that really connect us all. Uh, the same energies that are beyond this physical reality that create everything that we're experiencing in this physical reality, this construct that we're experiencing life through. Uh, we will understand and start to utilize focused attention, the real power of focused attention, energy, and conscious choice. Um, but ultimately, we're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate this small window of time that we have on Earth. Uh, and whatever the lessons or learnings are, I, I personally believe that everything um, we have done up till now has been the preparation. It's game time. It's like we are now entering into the game. It's time to have the experience. Uh, there's nowhere to hide. Um, one of the one of the cool things I saw recently, which has been very uncomfortable for a lot of us, is that I believe COVID was the great unifier. So I know people have a lot of different perspectives on it, but when I step right back out, what I realize is that for that period of time, most of humanity in the world were aware of COVID and had some singular focus towards that. Mm -hmm. um, once we got that awareness, we all separated off into our own groups of our own belief systems and our own um, you know, polarities and, and, and became separate around it. But there was a unification around that topic. I believe that was probably the catalyst that, that connected the conscious, the collective field at another whole level. What I observed is that when the, when the recent um, shenanigans kicked off in the Middle East, I observed in the week after that, a lot of people, I'd say 95% of the people coming into my office were in a very low energy state. Um, there was like a defeat. It was like, oh, not this again. 
And what I saw there was for the very first time that there was like a unified response to something that wasn't happening in our back doorstep. And it really reinforced to me that that unity that was created, that singular point of focus that COVID created, was now starting to express itself through other areas where people were en masse focusing their attention. Now, what it did is brought us into the, some of the lower energy states or the lower stages of healing. So people will have noticed over the last month or two that there's been a lot of physical, mental, and emotional upheaval, quite a lot of instability. Um, there's been a lot of serious illness. There's been a lot of breakdown in those areas. And I believe that's part of the breaking down of the collective field, um, bringing the collective field to a point of surrender where we realize that we can't go on like this anymore. and. As we start to do that en masse, I believe we're going to see uh, the transformation, this shift uh, truly unfold. I believe we're in the shift now. It's not a theory or a concept anymore. Uh, we're starting to see it unfold. There's a few uh, things that need assembling in the average person in order for them to really step in and experience the magic of this, uh, the magic of living in what we might call a multi-dimensional way where we're starting to tap in and understand that we are not just this physical being but there's more to it than that and you know some of the work that we're doing um, any sort of integrated practices uh, anything that brings awareness and consciousness to people um, where they take more self-responsibility and are able to see beyond the programming these are the sorts of strategies that are going to bring people um, online and start to realize that there's this whole other game that's available for us to play if we just know the rules and understand how to tap into that. So this conversation is going to really be pretty um, eye-opening or or very new to some of my listeners and to other ones. It'll be like, they'll be so excited that we're talking about this. Like finally, someone's talking about this in the media as such. So it is a very exciting time. And I can see how you feel positive about the future when you look at things from this wider perspective, as do I. What is there anything we can share with our audience today, practical things or insights or or an exercise or an activity or a process that they could do to help them move towards this um this way of looking at the world or yeah, I know you do things in your clinic when people yeah. come in in person, but is there anything that you can share with us that we could maybe um that people could maybe practice or implement or ponder yes. to help them? Yes, absolutely. Um, before I do that, I'll just I'll just hone in on a, a point you made there. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm so positive is because even though outside of me it looks like everything is falling apart, what I'm feeling in the physiology and the vibration of the individual vessel, shall we mm -hmm. say, the physical vessel, is a higher level of order. And what I'm observing and hearing from people and the speed at which I'm seeing change makes me very, very confident that we are going to organize to the next level of human development. It's just going to get a little messy for a while. And so absolutely, people are going to need some tools and strategies. And there's going to be people who, and again, I'm 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 not taking you right out there yet. Okay. I'm still being conservative in what I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you know, there are some practical things. The first thing I would encourage people to do is try to step back from themselves a little bit and try to hold a higher, what I'd call a higher level observer. Um, we, When we're still in the density of the physical dimension, uh, we are easily polarized. So we are easily um, influenced uh, by narratives uh, or by opinions uh, through fear 
And we've all experienced that in the past few years, um, where, and we've all seen an example of how a narrative can, can lead a large group of people into decisions. And so the first thing that we want to do is step back and just observe ourselves and watch our language, watch some of the behaviors, try to see if you can witness areas of life that you're disconnecting in. And you may be doing that um, through you know, um, social de or devices or through alcohol, drugs, food, TV. Try to be accountable to the little unconscious programs that you have running. Observe the family culture that you came through and observe how you may be not a clone, but you may be running some of those cultural social programs. Uh, observe whether you have rejected those programs and you're doing the opposite of that. Things like observe your breath. What's the rate and rhythm of your breath? What is the energy or the emotion behind your out breath? And try to really like come back into yourself to make this, to, to bridge this, um, this vision that I shared. Yeah, really the mission is to close the gap between where we're living at the moment and what's possible for ourselves in the future. That is going to require us to be able to recognize and witness and observe ourselves without judgment. So number one thing, stop judging yourself. Stop judging others. Observe when you're getting polarized. You'll know when you're getting polarized because there'll be an emotional charge to it. Okay, there Who's right and who's wrong? Who do I agree with or disagree with? Do I like this or dislike that? The minute you're polarized, you're disconnected from your higher source. And that is not going to help us to make this shift to a higher consciousness or, a, or the next level of human development. If there's one thing I could implore upon the audience is please, please be responsible for not polarizing through judgment. Okay, And I know that's difficult because we've all been put through the ringer in the last few years and we've all been forced on some level to choose a side. Mm -hmm. But my encouragement now, what really dissolves the system or the 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 system that allowed that to occur is when we refuse to be polarized by it, when we refuse to separate ourselves and pick a side, when we understand that free choice is free choice. And it's okay, whatever choice we made. What we don't want to do is get into blaming or judging the decisions that others made. That's fueling the fire. That's what keeps the system in play. The fastest way to reorganize the system to something that's more cohesive for unity is to be neutral about it so there's a lot of things i've given there on a more practical sense i would highly encourage everyone to go out to your local health food store and get a bottle of trace minerals okay so from a basic biology biological perspective uh, we are mostly mineral deficient and we need to at least get some basic trace minerals into the system that's probably my one recommendation for people uh, minerals. Is that literally what it's called? You, the bottle says trace minerals. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. You'll get that anywhere, any health food shops, super cheap. Um, I, we, we sell it here, but I worked it out to be like eight cents a dose. That's all it costs. And we're highly under-mineralized. All, all the minerals in the soils are depleted, but the minerals are the basic building blocks that create synergy in the system. They're the one bit that allows everything to work. So there's some practical things there. Um, yeah. If you're looking for models or for programs or for people to work with that will bring you into this shift, I would recommend looking for integrated um, models. So anything that is looking to integrate physical, mental, emotional, spiritual is the key. 
Okay. Um, in an ideal world, if you can, you want your nervous system to be what we call coherent. And that means that um, we've got to embody the concepts. A lot of what I'm sharing won't be new for people. The difference is we've got to get it resonating in the system, in the biology of the body, resonating in the energy field that's around us. Then it seems to slot in and we can really start to see these magical experiences unfolding. I'll share one with you in a minute if um, if, if, if I can. That sounds good. What's coming to me is, you know, this we have a... Um, mental health, right, is a massive issue here in New Zealand and people, you know, we need more funding and there's all these wait lists. But I feel like mental health, it could be so much more holistic or integrated the way that people approach it and look at it. And a lot of the stuff we're talking about, some people would never have heard of. They just get on the wait list for a psychologist or a counselor and then they do talk therapy. I don't know. What are your thoughts on how we can help Kiwis in terms of this mental health situation? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is, is that we have to take a broader um, angle of it. I think that we're narrowing in and we're looking at the outcome. We're looking a lot at um, what is the problem and then how do we solve that problem rather than stepping way, way, way back out and looking at what is the catalyst for the mind to be organizing itself in that way in the first place. Uh, a lot of what I believe will be going on in the mental health uh, domain, because I, I see it a lot, um, it's a lot to do with the amount of energy that the system has available to organize with. So when we're in a low energy state, then our choices narrow down. Um, the emotions, the thoughts we have available, the amount of energy to get up and exercise and do those things, it's just, it's not really there. Uh, so it's going to require a much more holistic approach. It's going to require a much bigger understanding of how we're programming our children because, you know, between ages seven and 11, uh, the mind is being programmed with the belief systems of the parents or the culture or society in order to fit in and be accepted and be a stable member of society. Now, if that programming is not congruent with who that person is, um, from a spiritual or a authenticity perspective, there's going to be a disconnect there. And so as they then develop into the teenagers, uh, they start to realize that th this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. I don't know who I am. I'm struggling with my identity. And the minute they start struggling with their identity, they start to turn in on themselves and start to ask questions about, am I good enough? What's wrong with me? Why, why can't I have it like everybody else does? Everyone else seems to be doing it really easily. And, and there's this internal dialogue that starts to, to come through on the mental level, um, but is also influencing us emotionally and physically. So I believe a lot of it is, I, I believe probably the the big solution to that is to really educate the parents on on that critical age group and how to nurture that age group to help that age group to understand that we are giving you a basic foundation to go into the world and have experiences with. Don't have to believe our version of it, but it will get you started and you will make mistakes and you will feel uncomfortable sometimes, but that's okay. Uh, that's part of the human experience. All growth comes, all, all, all people will know this, all real significant change in life comes from things that have been uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, all the big changes I've made in my life have been at the point of collapse. And those collapses are very painful. But I look back on them now and go, that's what shaped me. What we're looking at is, can we create that shift without the need for the collapse? Because that's what's going to need to happen for the for society. We, we can't, again, this is my perspective, but some of the bigger issues in society around education, around um, medicine, around finances, um, you know, we're not going to see an overnight shift in that. 
that would be destructive for society. We're going to need to see a gentle reorganizing of that into another way. Most of the systems will probably survive, but they'll be organized and run in a different way. And so we've, it's going to be a transition. There's there's a gap between where we are and where we need to be. Um, but yeah, mental health is about, you know, because then you've got to also understand that part of the mental health issue is the fact that the nervous system is organized in a sympathetic state and is, is firing off from a fight-flight perspective. And so if you stay in that state for a long time or a chronic state of fight-flight, then everything is operating from the complete opposite of how it's meant to be set up. So there's multiple things going on there. The key is to integrate, is to actually be able to be in myself with all of my faults and my imperfections. I'm the first to put my hand up and say, I'm not perfect, right? I have many imperfections and I understand that that's a part of the human experience. That's what spurs evolution. That's what continues to encourage me to grow is the fact that there's more to work on. There's more to work on. I think the society and with our Instagrams and our Facebooks and all of the all of the you know, you know just what's 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 put on the children these days, mm-hmm. we're getting a false sense of self and who we are meant to be, which is not who we are. And so, yeah, we need to we need to back up a little bit and, and look at how are we how are we how are we preparing the seven to eleven year old to step into their power and know who they are and who they're not so they can go and test the world as they move further and further away from us as adults. Something that's come up multiple times in the past few days for me is the topic of boundaries around, you know, in order to have clear boundaries, you first need to know who you are. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, particularly for me in in the entrepreneurial world that I live in, where a lot of us, you know, boundaries is, you know, what is your availability and like, what is your price? And are you overgiving with your IP, your intellectual property or your products, you know, or, but boundary, I mean, I think that's so relevant right now is a lot of people are starting to question more and more, who am I in a good way? They're starting to really want to understand or understand who they are and what they're here for and what they will stand for and what they won't stand for. And that's the boundary piece. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, totally agree with that. I think um, boundaries will often get, well, they're not confused, but I think that what people are doing is they're often setting boundaries with the external environment. So they'll set a boundary around a circumstance. So say in relationships, they say someone oversteps their boundary in relationships. So then they'll communicate to that person that, hey, you've you've stepped over the boundary and I'm not accepting it. Uh, that is a form of boundary setting, but your boundary setting to the circumstance or the situation or the thing that's outside of you, the real power, the real re-empowerment that brings us a stronger sense of self is that when we quietly internally reset the boundary that we have for ourselves and we take accountability and responsibility for what's going on outside of us, knowing that the reason that's happening is because I didn't hold the boundary with myself. Mm -hmm. So there's a key distinction there because uh, otherwise what happens is – you know, I could set a boundary with someone from a relationship perspective, and they may not be able to hold that just because where they are at energetically. So yeah, boundaries is really where it's at. That's what brings us into what I call the season of transformation, where we start to reclaim our power over how we're in relationship with ourselves. A lot of people think transformation is about the transformation of my life. No, it's the transformation of the relationship you have with yourself where you come back and own yourself and you take responsibility for what's going on around you, knowing that you allowed it to get to there. 
so that's the boundaries. Yeah, you've allowed that's the, it. That's the boundaries. Where people get confused and where they get frustrated is when they try to set the boundary with what's happened outside of them without realizing that's a product of myself and how I've allowed or not allowed certain things to unfold. So yes, I agree. Boundaries, is, I mean, you know, the title Up Your Brave is about a boundary. Um, it's about, what, in my perspective, um, being courageous and stepping in and owning yourself and knowing this is who I am. This is what I'm here for. I see through the illusion. I can see the games that are being played. A lot, Most people listening to this will have done that on many levels, especially mm-hmm. with circumstances outside of ourselves. Uh, but then it becomes about building momentum towards resolving whatever it was that was allowing me to play a small game. And in the resolution of that, we open up to something much, much bigger. We start to access these things I'm talking about, multidimensional realities. Uh, We start to have magical experiences. I've got a client who I worked on on Thursday sending me a text saying, I don't understand what just happened. It felt like I was in your office for 10 minutes. Um, Well, sorry, I was in your office for 10 minutes. It felt like 40 minutes. I'm driving down the road, everything is slowed down, the indicators, everything is going in slow motion. This is the most amazing experience. And that's what's occurring if we can bring the nervous system into coherence. We start to bridge into that what we call fourth dimension, time-space, and we start to realize that time-space is not the way the mind has set it up. It's not this linear process at all. We absolutely have the capacity to speed time up or slow it down. A lot of the listeners will be starting to notice that they're living more in present time. Uh, in the past, we would have a fear of what would happen in the future. Or we'd be going back into the past to to replay things. Uh, definitely what I'm hearing in my um, crew is that people are much more present time. And as a result of that, they're having a much richer, more expanded experience of life. So all of these things are starting to happen. People may also be aware that there's been a narrative about moving from a third to fifth dimensional consciousness and how we're going into this great awakening. And I would agree, we are going into this uh, new energetic experience where we're going to be able to, and we're working with this in the office, access multiple dimensions in order to blend consciousness and bring in information and live in a different way. Um, Some would call it a superhuman way. There's new faculties, new capacities are coming online for people. And I'm hearing it from your average person walking into the office from off the street going, what the heck was that? Because I've just had this experience over here and I've never felt something like that before. So again, I believe, you know, that's a miracle in my eyes. Um, I was studying and I was educating around this for maybe 10 or 12 years, um, knowing or trusting it was going to unfold. And it's we're in it. It's happening right now. So very, very exciting times for people. These capacities are available to all of us, all of us. It's just that a lot of us don't have the conscious awareness yet to see and to realize that they're unfolding in front of us, right in front of our eyes, because we're still in the we're still being held under the illusion mm. of the of the matrix or the narratives that are getting us to go into the future or the or the or the um, past. So I'd encourage all the listeners to just stop and notice present time. One more thing, if I may, um, nature is really opening up and starting to reciprocate to us. Uh, previously, you know, I've always heard people go, oh, "I go into nature and it charges me," and it just never did that for me. Right? It was like I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> recently, I've noticed. Recently, I've noticed that when I go now and put my attention, my focused attention on nature, there is an energetic feedback from that. And it's rich. It's so rich. It's much more enriched than it ever used to be for me. So I would encourage listeners, if you want to test some of what I'm what I'm suggesting here, go out to nature and just put your attention on nature and just watch 
the level of feedback that you get from that. And notice how that's a, a more magical, richer feedback than may have been previously available. While we're speaking of nature, do you have any thoughts on weather? and wild weather and such that we've experienced in New Zealand, but also I know in, in Aussie at the moment and around the world? Uh, well, I can give you a perspective. I, I haven't done any research on it or looked at it, um, but I see that the whole system is being reorganized. So if you look at any any area of this physical reality right now, whether it's um, our social interactions, whether it's our health, whether it's the weather, um, whether it's a narrative, Everything is showing massive instability at the moment. Uh, everything is out, it's not out of alignment, but everything is in a different rhythm. So I wouldn't expect any any area. I, th I think you would find if you put your attention on any area that we experience as a physical reality right now, any circumstance or situation, you're going to see that it's not behaving or performing the way it used to. And I believe that we need a certain amount of instability in the system in order to organize to this next level of development. And again, going back to the reason why I'm, I'm positive and optimistic and quite excited is because I'm seeing now a higher level of organization. All of these people that I'm working with who are now experiencing these miraculous sort of um, you know experiences of life, they've all gone through a phase of instability. Mm -hmm. They've all gone through the break, it's not breakdown, but the reorganizing of their system in order to have those experiences. I just believe we're starting to see that en masse. Uh, I think that we're seeing it in every system and structure. The thing is, if we go back into history, I mean, our history is pretty clouded. We don't, I mean, we 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 have ideas about what weather has been like in the past. Um, I, I think that we'll have seen much, much more extreme weather events than what we're seeing right now. I just think that humanity as a whole is being asked to focus on that. Uh, and again, it's a polarizing strategy. Yeah. Look at the weather and choose a side. Is it being manipulated or is it a natural occurrence? Um, again, I think it's a distraction. I think it's a distraction. Um, I would encourage people to come back to themselves and feel into themselves and know what is true for you and live it and realize you're not meant to be perfect. You're meant to make mistakes. We need to give each other some grace and realize that we're all imperfect. And suddenly we can just like meet each other where we're at, mm. um, not through my filter of who I need Natalie to be or the next person to be, but just who is Natalie? And can I get some wisdom from her and, ex and experience her and meet her for who she is without having to have a judgment on the way she dresses or how she speaks or what her perspectives are? So a lot of what's going on at the moment, there's instability in it. Just be okay with that, people. It's part of what's necessary for the masses, I think we'll see a lot of that coming in the coming years. Um, but I also believe that we're seeing a much smoother transition for the people now who are ready to make that leap into this next tier of, of consciousness. And we have the processes are starting to become available that are going to guide people through that. So it's super, super exciting. Courage and grace have come up a lot lately, but I think you're right in terms of, for me at least, I'm being, I'm fascinated by humanity. I'm fascinated by what's going on at the moment. And that does enable me to stay, I guess, a little bit more positive or high vibe about everything. Um, I'd love to ask you, you mentioned before about Up Your Brave. What is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Ooh. I was contemplating whether you would ask me this question because I just, you know, to me, I'm constantly pushing the boundary. I, I like to be on what we call right out on the edge, um, a front runner. 
so I guess, you know, if I talked about my work, uh, because I'm often quite guarded about what I share around my work, mm-hmm. because so much of it is beyond my mind, it's very hard for me to articulate it. Um, but if I was to up my brave right now in the moment, um, I could share with the audience that I believe that I'm now starting to be able to to access a multi-dimensional reality for people when I'm working with them and weave consciousness for them, uh, layering down um, these sort of time-space um, changes. So I'm allowing more of the energy and information to come through me and I'm getting more and more out of the way. I think that's a very brave thing to do because my lower mind wants to be in control. Mm-hmm. It wants to rationalize. It wants to make sure I'm not overstepping boundaries or, or going to put people in a situation that may cause harm. And so on a daily level now, I'm, I, I think, you know, the up the brave is just letting go and letting go and letting go and letting go and trusting. I'm, I'm learning to trust where the energy takes me rather than where I think it should take me. Um, I'm learning to use my thinking mind in a really, really different way. I'm 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 starting to notice that when I get intuition now, um, it's not like I'm being given a suggestion anymore. I'm being given a very clear instruction. Mm. Um, it's like, this is not an idea, Craig. This is what <laughs> you're going to do. And so to be able to trust that and to, you know, trust in that higher, higher consciousness, I think is a pretty brave thing to do. So I so I'm not sure if that answers your question or not. It um, does. And I think, <laughs> I, th- I imagine some other people listening will be doing the same thing in their own way, you know, trusting, letting go, not having to control everything. Yeah. And yeah, the more we can surrender, the more we can surrender, the easier the transition is going to be. Mm. That's that's the reality of it. But, you know, the, the lower mind is fearful of surrender because it doesn't want you to have to feel the pain of that wound that was anchored in at an earlier age. So there's a little internal battle that will go on for a wee while. But again, the dynamics are there right now for the destabilization of that so people out there will be will be experiencing the physical mental and emotional okay so my encouragement to you is just surrender to it it'll be much easier in the long run (laughs) (laughs) what about the bucket list is there anything on your bucket list that you'd love to do be or experience in your lifetime possibly something we can help with well, I just think the whole of the journey is is the bucket list. Um, I again, uh, my whole framework of how I organize my life has changed because often um, bucket lists are are a formation of mind, and they are things that we want to see, do, or experience um, from from a materialistic or a or a physical reality. Uh, my bucket list is really just to get out of the way and let source energy take over and guide me to where I need to be. To trust my to trust that um, to articulate that as best I can, knowing that a lot of it is beyond the mind, and not to be afraid of whether I'm going to be received or not. So my bucket list is to just help transition as many people as possible to experience what I'm experiencing and what the people around me are experiencing, because this I believe is where we will see the shift for humanity. And because you know the future looks really really good if we can start to if we can stop competing with each mm-hmm. other and start collaborating, it's going to be magical. It's just that we're breaking, you know, generations of programming and that's going to take a little bit of time. So my bucket list would be to help as many people as possible to have that experience so they know what's possible. Then they can choose whether they want to step into that or not. Amazing. What about what's coming up for you in the next six months? I don't know if you do plan ahead like that or if you just take every day as it comes. Oh, it's really and funny. how can people connect with you? That's really funny because you, you uh, historically I've not been a planner, 
Uh, and in a couple of months, or maybe a month ago, I sat down and went, right, I'm going to create a plan for the next three years. So I quickly sketched out a plan and like half of it's already unfolded in front of me <laughs> within like two months. So uh, what I do have coming up is I'm working at the moment on a what I call the Keystone Principle. It's a tool, a very powerful tool, which will help people uh, to start to observe and recognize the programming, the areas of life they're stuck in. Uh, it's it's not an exercise per se. It's a it's a way of experiencing yourself uh, that desensitizes or, or neutralizes you to the emotional aspects. You'll be able to find that on my website. Uh, it's it, we, we, I'm well into the into the creation of that. But the more I go into it, the more I realize I've got to get it right. And it's it's um, it's a very very powerful tool. Very simple. Very powerful. It's enough to help people integrate. Uh, this third dimensional reality, this physical reality, and to begin to position them to go beyond their circumstances. So I'm really, really excited about this. What I see for that in the future is a game changer for people, really powerful for people who can't get to me in person. Um, what I would yeah, say is- Yeah, because are you in Mungafai? Yeah, I have two offices. I have an office in Northland and I'll have people that will travel from Whangarei or all around that area mm -hmm. um, to see me. Um, that's located in Mungafai. I have an office in Remuera uh, where people will come to as well. So that's where I'm located. Mm -hmm. And I encourage people, if you can get to me in physical form to do that, because uh, again, um, a lot of what I'm talking about requires some level of embodiment uh, having it as an idea or a concept, that's not enough anymore. Uh, we've got to be the vibrational reality of that. But I'm seeing that happen so quickly for people now. Um, again, it's, it's, it's exciting for me. And, you know, there's massive growth. We're figuring out how to create more space for people so that we can serve more people. Um, they're really good headaches for us to be having. So how can people find you? Do you have a website you can reel off for us or socials? Yes. Uh, the website is orenda, O-R-E-N-D. DA.NZ. Mm -hmm. What I would say about that website is anything you read, all the content on that website is super coherent. Um, reading that information is enough to start activating uh, change within you. It's psychoactive material. Uh, and so I encourage people just, just flick through there, just start to get a feel for the language, get a feel for, for the, the, concept that we're sharing there uh we have instagram i'm just dipping my toe in the water of instagram i'm still trying to find my instagram identity <laughs> to figure out how does this thing work uh is is this instagram thing even real uh so i'm 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 a work in progress on instagram are you arenda on instagram uh yes i believe so arenda nz i believe so um we can share a link with that okay. um we're we're coming back onto facebook uh, again, that's a, a render NZ link. Um, and we're on Telegram as well. So we're we're readily accessible, but the website is your first point of contact. And I would encourage people to go there first to get a, a nice overview of what we're doing. Amazing. So if you're listening and, and you've been intrigued by some of the stuff we've talked about, um, definitely go and have a look at that. What else is coming up for you, Craig, or in terms of what you want to share? Is there anything else you'd love to share with our audience before we wrap things up today? Uh, I'd just like to share a message of encouragement. I know it's been tough. Uh, I know a lot of people are um, angry or fearful, frustrated. Um, a lot of people are 
um, I wouldn't say obsessed, but we're watching every move of what's going on geopolitically, waiting for waiting for what we're waiting for. Um, I would encourage everyone just to keep going. Um, these things take time. We have to recognize that we're in the early stages of some phenomenal shift that humanity's never seen before. That's not going to happen overnight. The easiest thing, the smoothest way for us to to really navigate this is to come back to yourself to to absolutely we have to be doing self-development um i don't care what you're doing just do some sort of self-development read a book uh be mindful of what you're watching be mindful of um you know what you're what you're saying and keep going um we are going through the shift one way or the other there's an easy way and there's a difficult way but i just encourage everyone just to, to trust your inner wisdom um go to nature Look at how it's reciprocating to you. There's glitches in the matrix. You'll start to see them. Things are not lining up the way they used to. Cracks in the system. Uh, and we just need to enjoy the experience. I mean, we are here for such a short period of time. We have chosen to be here at this time for a very specific purpose. Enjoy the ride. Um, enjoy the highs. Enjoy the lows. Um, just have fun with it. And and try to meet each other with our imperfections, if I can say that. Um be okay with people being clunky and stepping on boundaries. It's okay. Um, as long as we're solid in ourselves, it's okay for people to bang into us or bump into us. Um, it's only when we have an expectation that they should have done it differently or that it should be different that we're going to find ourselves struggling. So just a message of encouragement. Keep going, people. What I'm seeing is magical. I wouldn't be articulating this um, and sharing this if I wasn't confident in what I believe comes next because I'm experiencing it. And I know that we're at the very beginning of what's going to happen here. Like we're at the very, very beginning of something very magical. And everyone who's listening and listening to this point of the of the interview uh, will be aware of that on some level. So good. Thank you so much, Craig Reynolds, everybody on The Miracle Unfolding. Thanks, Craig. And thank thanks everyone for listening. I hope you gained some insight and inspiration maybe, from that interview with Craig Reynolds. And he is an energetic integrator. And as mentioned, he's got two clinics. So you can check him out, get in touch at orinda.nz, O-R-E-N-D-A. Kind of like Brenda, but with an O at the start. I don't know if that helps. Orinda.nz. In this interview, we talked about the body is designed to heal, evolve, and expand. And we also talked about network spinal analysis and tapping into the intelligence that organizes us. Also, we talked about a shifting consciousness and how to be a higher level observer. <laughs> uh, you can learn all about that and more if you go ahead and listen to the replay or um, get in touch with him directly. So much wisdom to share. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And next, we're going all the way to Thailand. I'm going to be talking to Peter Aziz on the topic of Heal the Unhealable. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So good to connect with you and a very intriguing topic. For those of you that don't know Peter, Peter Aziz is a healer, magician, and shaman from the UK, now living in Thailand. He has spent his whole life training in shamanism, healing, yoga, magic, metaphysics, and learning from the fairy kingdom. Unusually, he also has a degree in physics and uses his scientific background 
to further expand his metaphysical teachings. Peter has dedicated himself to bringing ancient wisdom to the public, to help all spiritual seekers to further themselves, and to healing the impossible. He is trained and initiated in many powerful shamanic healing traditions, including body electronics, Javanese magic, Egyptian magic, voodoo and agora tantra, and he has received direct spiritual transmissions which bring even greater power to his shamanic healing work. He is also a homeopath, a herbalist. Can you say it for me? Psychonics? Oh, psionics. (laughs) Psionics practitioner, Reiki grandmaster, highest level voodoo priest, and Javanese sorcerer. Ooh, Peter, that is so many uh, names, so many things, such a journey. Can you let our listeners know, well, number one, what is a shaman? And number two, give us a little bit more backstory. How did you come to into this area? Well, shaman is quite a common name these days for many traditional um, healing techniques, but basically it means a master of inspiration and ecstasy. So it implies to those who follow natural um, ways of using herbs, talking to the spirit world, and basically bringing in power of nature, and having a good connection to the spirit, to bring that to humanity, and to appeal the various ills, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So basically, I started this path as a homeopath and acupuncturist about 40 years ago. But through my practice, I went to reach out and find new techniques to help people. And shamanism has been my greatest key there. I went to the, across the world where I saw amazing things being healed and uh, went to learn everything I saw. So I trained in Pueblo Indian shamanism, but of course to train in voodoo, in South American shamanism, in Javanese magic. They've put all these things together. Basically, what um, <clears throat> really led me to the shamanism was when I had some clients who couldn't deal by the means because they seemed to be had some kind of curse on them. <laughs> I had a person who'd been cursed by voodoo and everything kept going wrong. You know, you heal them with one thing, they have another accident, something else goes wrong. And I had to learn how to break that. So I had to end up training in voodoo myself so I could break such curses. And it came to my attention that there's a lot of metaphysical causes of, of people's problems. So I started to put that together with my acupuncture, my homeopathy, to actually have, have a more complete healing system. My work basically consists of finding the emotional blocks and um, traumas and things behind people's problems. That's deep within the consciousness. They've got traumas and beliefs and things from the past, and these belief systems are holding them back in their journey. So my work is really about finding those difficult things and clearing them out using shamanic tools. I love it. I love an example without breaking any confidentiality. When you talk about finding the emotional blocks and beliefs and helping people release them, can you give us an example of someone that you know had some sort of situation or life, you know, health issue, and once they release those things, they suddenly whatever? Can you give us an example? Oh, there's been many over the years. I mean, I've specialized in dealing with the really difficult, impossible things, as by the title of this course. <laughs> um, common one was. Um, People have been paralyzed by accidents or strokes. I find when you actually start working on the points on, on the nerve lines and with stuff, nerve supply, that comes back to life. And quite often, the suppression of pain is what's stopping the nerves from growing. It's obvious when you get hurt and you're numb out, nerves withdrawing. And if that doesn't come back, you never move again. So basically, somebody is paralyzed, we find those pain, painful spots, release all the pain that's stored there, and suddenly they can move again. That happens quite quickly. Is that, is that particularly a hands-on practice when you're talking about releasing the pain? Is this specific points on their body or is something? Is it something that can be done virtually? It can be done virtually. I mean, it's, some of these problems are easier if you can have hands-on because we use trigger points in the body. The body at Trenet's work I did was involved in a, a point-holding system. We hold certain points of the body and it triggers release, a bit like acupuncture points. 
However, through the Shanzali practice, I realize you can actually change people from a distance. You send the energy in, it raises Kundalini, starts bringing all the problems out, you can direct it that way. So I have, um, over the last few years, developed my work to do it distantly as well. Well, which is so important because um, yes. people around the world, well, every, well, so many people are suffering, but specifically around the unhealable because it's people yes, that have a condition that they just have either, quote unquote, tried everything, or maybe they've given up or they've resided to the fact that that's how it is. But that's, again, possibly a belief. Um, yeah. Can you give us another example? Like, what are some specific conditions that, so other than the the paralysis and, and things? Um, immune problems such as AIDS. Uh, many years ago, I'd have said somebody who was basically dying because at those that time, I don't know if it's different now. If you had AIDS, you basically had a sentence. Even with the drugs they gave you, that'll kill you mm-hmm. in a couple of years. But I worked on the immune system. We do that through the thymus gland because that's what stores some fear and shame. In this case, when you work on the thymus gland and um, the shame and the fear comes out, you can boost the immune response up to twenty thousand percent. A lot of that's a blocked immune system is to do the shame and fear that they're storing. And shame can have so many different forms. So basically, it's the feeling of being defective and somehow not being good enough. These we build up in layers since our childhood, and we're told you're no good and so on. And when you get rid of all those feelings of being not good enough, um, apart from the motivation of it and coming back, the immune system also comes back. I have had several cases of AIDS over the years. Also, problems of, say, heart disease, arthritis, multiple sclerosis, motor neuron. They've all got better by releasing the emotional blocks, some slower than others. Like for instance, what we do with arthritis, um, we have to heal the, th- the thyroid gland, which stores anger. But obviously, to get up to that, you've got to work through layers. You see, mm-hmm. we, we suppress emotions in certain layers. First of all, when you suppress pain, you then get angry because you think the situation never change. Then you get into fear about it. When you suppress that, you just go into the grief, into this victim pattern. We think it'll never change. Finally, you go into apathy. We just give up and don't feel anything will work. And then finally, you go into unconsciousness. We numb everything else and don't have to be aware of the problem anymore. So naturally, these come in reverse order. Release the unconsciousness, then the, the apathy which is stored in the spleen, then the grief which is stored in the solar plexus and pancreas and adrenal gland, then release fear from the thymus, then we get to the thyroid, release the anger. So to release uh, that condition, we must work up through these layers. So it uh, takes a few sessions to get there in a way. So when we get to the thyroid gland, release the anger, that actually then affects the calcification of the body. So it clears conditions like arthritis and rheumatism. So all the pain goes, they can move again. So much wisdom that you're sharing. You actually win the prize for talking faster than me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm following you. I know our listeners will be aiming to keep up. So fascinating. In fact, on one of my previous shows, I talked about um, how someone I'd heard them say, when we sacrifice our self-expression, especially women, um, it presents, we are inviting health problems in the form of thyroid problems and breast cancer. Very Um, much, yes. And and a lot of my audience, more and more people in in you know the world in New Zealand and specifically in in our audience, are putting together or waking up to the fact that the emotions have such an integrative impact on how our body shows up physically with physical injuries or ailments and conditions. So this is so exciting to to talk to you, and I know you're such an expert in this area. So thyroid was related to anger. Grief was related to the solar plexus and the That's adrenals right. and something yes. else. <laughs> and pancreas. And pancreas. And then apathy was the spleen. Is that right? That's right. Yes. So interesting. So and what, what was the unconscious? Then? What was the unconscious? Is that just... that's, that's, that's the first gland, sexual glands. Interesting. It means uh, ovaries and uterus in the woman, all the prostate and testicle in the man. Okay. So if you were to work with someone on whatever their condition may be, 
Um, you would start with the unconscious. So you would start with that kind of the reproductive area and then sequentially. I see. Okay. I see work upwards, yes. But what we do is check the iris and see where the problems are because um, the lesions show in the iris or, or each gland. If it's the lower glands are free, we can go straight on to where the problem is. But if there's problems on the lower level, we deal with those first. Because basically, because you learn to relate emotions in layers. You know, mm. If you suppress all your anger, it's gone right into unconsciousness. So it doesn't come up immediately. It gets hidden in guilt and you know various things. See, when somebody's angry, they often feel guilty because they don't think they should have the anger and it's all, all they feel is guilt. So you're not mm-hmm. really going to get the, to the anger until they go through those layers of guilt and realize it's okay to be angry. So you can see there can be layers to work through here. Agreed. And I've also heard that behind anger is sadness. What do you think of that? Well, sadness comes lower in the scale, yes. But it all depends on the way you're on that scale. After, after grief, we usually get to fear before anger. So you find there's layers. If, if there's anger suppressed, you go into fear, then, mm. then the grief, then the apathy. All depends on how far you suppress it. Now, earlier you mentioned AIDS, and I wanted to ask you about VADES, which is vaccine autoimmune. Mm. I'm not sure what the acronym is, but it's about vaccine injuries. Have you had a lot of people approaching you, or do you have capacity, to, um, ability to help people who are struggling with um, post-jab situations with their health? Yes, that has been a, a big part of my work the last couple of years because that's what's really coming up in the world big time. And it's very much the same treatment as normal AIDS, you know, with boosting the immune system. But obviously, because we know it's coming from a vaccine, we can give the right herbs first of all to detoxify them. There are certain plants which take away the spike proteins. Uh, but beyond that, it is about, you know, releasing those emotions. You find that it's not just the COVID and the vaccine that's damaged people, it's the whole condition here, the, the lockdowns, losing power, people losing hope because they can't do anything, the show straight away. There's a, a lot deal, a lot going on here beyond the actual vaccine. It's what's happening in the world on the emotional level that's oppressing them, taking their power away. So same work, but we have to focus on those particular kind of issues that are coming mm. up now. I'd love, I want to dive more into that and the whole, everything we've all been through. And of course it affects different people differently. Uh, but just back to that question about the vaccine Injury, you mentioned some plants. Are you able to name some things that might help people at this point? Yes. I mean, obviously, we have different plants in the West, so I don't know if you have them where you are. But basically, some of the plants that uh, take away the spike protein uh, contain a substance called chickenmate. You find this in comfrey, feverview, St. John's wort, ginkgo biloba. Those are the most common ones I use, which actually will neutralize those spike proteins. Okay, great. And some people will recognize those. What about things that most people can get their hands on easily? I think coriander or cilantro, will that help or is it not powerful enough? It's um, good for detox in general, but doesn't specifically hit the spike protein. But also, um, good to remember this spike protein comes from a snake venom. Any plant to use for snake poisoning will actually work on it. Like over here, we have a plant called Magnituate that's used for poisoning. I haven't investigated it so much, but it seems to be working here. Um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard that that's one of the theories and, and I'm not sure, but I mean, these days I'm open to, I'm pretty much open to a multitude of views. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the state of the world. Let's go there because mm. we've all been through this massive ordeal. Different people in my experience, different people have been affected differently. Some people had to close down their business. Some people yes. had to ask people to wear masks and that felt horrible to them, but they still did it. Some people, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. What what are you seeing people are experiencing as a result of that? And how can we empower and support them? Well, it's interesting because there's actually a, a new word in the Oxford English Dictionary. They're called goblin mode. <laughs> this is what um, has come up the last couple of years, which means people have no interest in doing anything. They're so 
so completely suppressed and apathy. There's no motivation to do anything. And this has come from this all this suppression because you know if you can't do anything because you're shut, locked down, you lose all your hope, you lose your power because you can't do anything because you're not allowed to do anything basically. So there's a loss of power and loss of hope. People in this really apathetic state. So the first thing we have to do is take your power back. Right. You see, this isn't just about the layers of emotion. There's also power loss. If somebody's controlling you, they're taking power from you, and we can learn to take it back. When you take your power back, you find the motivations there again. You can actually get going and feel the, the confidence again to actually create your own life. So some people will be thinking, I hear you, Peter, but how? How do I take okay. my power back? There's some simple exercises. And actually, on my website, you'll find there's a free course called Take Your Power Back. And we can download that because it's very useful for this time. It takes you through various exercises and teaches you how power is lost, where it's lost, and ways of taking it back. Well, I think that's so important, and we're going to reel off your website. Um, in a, well, actually, I'll let you do that in a moment, um, just so they can have a look at it, and we'll do it again at the end. What, what was your website? It's called AzizShamanism.com. Aziz, so it's my name, Sham, yep. Shamanism. Yes. Aziz, A Z I Z. Yes. Shamanism. S H A M A N I S M dot com. Got it. Okay, brilliant people. You can go and have a look for that. Taking your power back. I think more and more people are interested in doing that. A lot of people have had enough, at least here in New Zealand, hopefully, with some of the um, things that are going, hopefully going to be revealed through this new government, although we're not putting all our eggs in one political basket, but surely that helps. Um, We're hoping that, you know, some more um, truths will come to light as such. But I think it is super important, regardless of that, that people do take steps to take their power back and to start expressing themselves rather than feeling muzzled uh, because much. like you said, when we suppress our emotions, things are not good for the body. Of course. But also we have to realize we can't trust politicians anymore. They've never done the right job for us. We create our own reality. We have to take responsibility to build our own world and get out there and do it. Not wait Absolutely. for somebody else to do it for us. And y- your life, you're living in Thailand, you're from the UK, and I guess you've kind of created a lifestyle that works for you. A lot of our people listening are either in New Zealand or expats living around the world. What other message do you have for our for our lovely Kiwi audience, either a message of hope or a message of reminding reminder about their own power? Well, first of all, there is nothing that can't be healed. You know, it's about finding the emotional block which we can do that would help you get through those uh, past blockages so you can actually get your life back on track. But not only can you heal everything, you can also create your own reality. You're basically gods underneath. And this too is a case of releasing the emotional blocks that are holding you back with all the beliefs. You can't do it, all the doubts. When you work with those, you find you can create what you want. You don't have to put up with what people throw at you from the outside. You can take control of your own life, create what you want, heal yourself, and basically take charge of your life. There's another free course actually I want to point you to on my website, which is called the Manifestation Masterclass. That too is free. Mm-hmm. It teaches you all about the, how to manifest what you want and release all those blockages. So you can start practically making success in your, in your life. That would be brilliant. We've had people on our show before talking about um, manifesting. So I think people are more and more starting to get into that type of thing, something that some people would not have considered before. Now they're more open to it. So that's yeah. it's divine timing. Well, yes. Well, people have to be more open to it because they can't trust the, the, the leaders anymore. So they want to know how what they can do to take charge of their own life. Without, I, so I love that the those are free resources for people. Can you give us a little bit more um, 
insight here in the moment. Is there what? How can people start manifesting? What is one of the most important things to do to to start that process? First of all, one has to release that one's belief, expectation, imagination. A big part of this, and it's so it's those emotions that are going to hold you back. Now, when you first try and visualize something, uh, all your thoughts of failure are going to come up from the past. One can expect this, so don't panic, but rather work through those emotions. The thing is to welcome every emotion till it passes. So if I say I'm going to work wealth and thought comes up, oh, I'll never do this because I've never had anything before, I go into that feeling of never having anything before. Welcome it, release it, and then come back to creating wealth where there's no more kind of a secondary thoughts coming up about failure, then it'll work. The thing is to take time to work through those emotional blocks. All you have to do is welcome them till they pass. Okay, so not trying to shove them down or push them away. Welcome no. them. Exactly. Same with the healing. We're being out to pressed emotions. They can mm-hmm. be released once and for all. When you push them down, they're still there causing problems. They become unconscious. When you feel them, you can release them. The important thing is to recognize that they're not you. They're a feeling. There's a separation. The trick is not to identify with the emotion. A simple exercise you can do, if you've got some small drip like a pen you can hold in your hand and just give it a good, good tight squeeze, Find after a moment you can't tell where your hand ends and the pen begins. You kind of knuckles turn white. You lose that sense of of separation. You lose the, lose the sense of what's what's you and what isn't. This is what we do with emotions. So we're gripping them tightly. We don't know what's different between us and emotion. People say things like an, an angry person. Then they're identified with it. They can't change. We realize it's no. It's not who you are. You're separate. So when you loosen the grip on that pen, you suddenly begin to realize it's separate from you. Then it's easy to drop. Same with emotions. Once we stop identifying, but stop resisting, realize this isn't me, it's just my feeling. I can welcome that feeling. It passes, you let it go. So when you're doing healing work, when you're doing manifestation work, emotions are going to come up. This is good. Want them to come up so you can release them. Same way we help with the grip on the pen, you let go of the grip on the emotion, just let it be there, welcome it. It'll pass. When it's gone, it's gone. You find it surprisingly easy and quick to release emotions when you stop resisting. People spend hours struggling with emotions when you actually welcome and release it. It's there and suddenly it fades away and it's gone and it's, it becomes easy. So we get used to this process when you're manifesting as well. If a negative comes up, I can't do this, I feel apathetic or whatever it is, welcome that feeling, let it go. When you come back to it, when you manifest what you want, that ne- negative thought isn't there anymore, it's done. When you're very positive and you expect it, it happens. It sounds so simple. It is. I mean, it's difficult at first because people just don't do this. <laughs> Everybody's learned to push the emotions away. They don't know how to welcome the release. Everybody talks about creation, but they don't talk about discreation. When we're creating something new, it triggers old creations to reassert themselves. Knowing how to discreate is an important part of creation. So we also we almost cancel out our own um, dreams and things that we want to bring to fruition. With yes. some of these old thoughts? That's right. All these old thoughts are holding those things in a constant state of creation. You know, if I failed in the past, there's still this thought there, I'll, I'll fail, I can't do it. That's holding you back from what you want to achieve now. You can't do it with those thoughts going on. You're pushing them away, just pushing to the unconscious where they exist as a belief or, or further as a law where you simply can't break it. But then you fail. So the failure repeats itself. It's almost like as a past creation is still in place because of the emotion you hold about it. So one has to discreate this past creation so you're free to create a new. Discreate the past creation so you're free to create a new. A new. Yeah. Nice. 
For those of you that are listening, we would love to hear your thoughts. What is resonating for you? What is coming up for you? Maybe there is some resistance. Maybe you actually have hope because you have a condition that is considered unhealable and now you're hearing that maybe it's not. You can send us a text 2057 or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. So we talked about a few conditions. You talked about AIDS and um, I think you talked, maybe mentioned multiple sclerosis. There's other yes. things like heart disease is a common yes. one these days and yes. arthritis, joint pain. A lot of people are having joint pain. Mm-hmm. All of these can be released and recovered from? Oh, yes. We, we do quite often. What are we talking for time frame? Like, how does this process work? Some things heal pretty quickly. Uh, I found, for instance, with heart problems, um, you find the heart point, the trauma comes up in one go quite often. It can be like a heartbreak. Quite often, it's actually things like anesthesia. They go numb for a while because that's that's what's stored in the muscles. Then some emotion comes up in the past, and when it's released, suddenly they find it's better. Things like um, immune problems might take a few sessions because there's layers of emotion to work through. They work through the unconsciousness, the apathy, the grief, then the fear. Then you find the immune system heals. Thyroid, um, when we deal with things like arthritis, might take a step longer because you have to get to the anger as well. So maybe four or five sessions and they start feeling the pain is going. After a few weeks, um, maybe two, three months, the arthritis is gone. I find one of the slowest ones is actually motor neuron disease. That's taken maybe about a year to heal. And it's a gradual process. We can't do it any fast for some reason. Mm. So it's not we're trying to rush it. They've got to work by step by step. First of all, you find it slows down, then it stops, then it starts getting better. It doesn't heal immediately. There seems to be a very deep pattern going on with, uh, with a motor neuron where they actually have such a deep split in the soul that they're leaking energy and the life force is draining away. And quite often it's beyond just releasing one trauma. There's a serious rebuilding to go on. There's going to be a lot of unconsciousness around the trauma because they've numbed it up in so many different ways, so many levels of judgment, not letting them feel. There's going to be they've got to work through all those things. You recognize the judgments and let them go, recognize the, the numbness, you feel the anesthesia. There can be layers to work through, but they do get there. But I find Pedex may be about a year to clear something like a motor new one. It's so interesting talking about numbness because often, you know, people have, I talk about numbing tactics, you know, people will do exactly. smoking or exercising mm. or dieting or dating or whatever, um, drinking. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of that is just, is numbing tactics. To, yeah, exactly. and, and and I guess we, we do it in other ways. It doesn't have to look like that is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. Oh, well, we don't want to numb out at all. That's the thing. We're trying to release those emotions. Mm-hmm. The important thing is to learn um, that you don't identify the emotion, so you can actually welcome and release it. That's the trick. Once you accept the emotion, you don't need to numb it. You say, okay, here's an emotion. It's not me. It's just a feeling. I'll let myself feel it, and it passes. It's coming to that kind of perspective. You're not to identify the emotion. You're not judging it. Therefore, you don't mind feeling it because it's just an emotion. The two things that hold you back are the judgment and the mm-hmm. identification. Okay. And don't own it. I've heard so many people say like, I am, yeah, like I'm an angry person or I'm super sad. Exactly. You say, I feel sad or I have so much sadness in my body. That's right. I I feel sad. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. It's not who I am. Don't own it. Don't own the emotions, people. Such a good reminder. But but don't identify with it. (laughs) I have a question about a condition that is close to my heart. Um, I've got my son, but also many people, I'm sure, around New Zealand um, suffering from something that is not painful. It looks bad, but it, it it's not a painful situation, but it still is very hard on the emotions. And this is alopecia, which means unexplained uh, baldness. Mm-hmm. Have you had results or do you have any comment on that? Yes. You see, hair growth is controlled by the liver. Liver produces a, a hormone called tomatomedin, which affects hair growth. So you find that the problem with baldness starts in the liver. 
that's been blocked off. The liver tends to also store anger like the thyroid gland, but it's a bit different. It tends to be close to the spleen as well. So quite often the anger isn't suppressed because it can't be bothered. It's kind of apathy. There's a failure pattern. I said, I can't do it. So you've lost something in life and haven't got the courage to rebuild. That's the kind of feeling that's in the liver. So when the liver kind of closes down, stops with your spermatomedin, your hair will start falling out. So interesting because there, for those that don't know, there's alopecia areata, which is patchy, like bald patches. Okay. Mm. And then there's alopecia universal, which is eyebrows, eyelashes, all the body hair, everything is gone. Mm. And some people with um, areata, it will grow back and then it'll go again. Um, mm. And I have heard of cases of people with universal where it does come back. So, for example, it would happen for an adult after a, a trauma, like a car accident, a death of a exactly. parent, a divorce, mm. birth of a child. Um, and then sometimes it does come back. And the story I heard was, I think someone had a, maybe their parents got divorced and, and they they lost their hair. But then when they got married and, and they were happily married, their hair grew back. I'm not sure. I don't know that person. It's like a fourth hand story. Would that make sense in terms of the emotional release or the shift in the emotions? Yes. As I was saying, you know, with the liver, it's because there's been a big loss. You haven't got the courage to rebuild. Big accidents, loss of parents, all these things. That's what's going to do it. We release that trauma and get the hope back. Then it all comes back. Thank you so much. I have never, I didn't, yeah, I totally put you on the spot. Didn't really warn you about that question, but I've never heard that before about release the, release the what? It's the kind of hopelessness. That, the hopelessness. That's the main thing. It's, it's the loss of trust. There's yeah. been a major loss in your life and you haven't got the courage to rebuild. Yeah, courage to rebuild. I've never heard that before. Thank you so much. It's interesting that in Chinese medicine, they talk about the liver's function as being freeing. Mm getting things moving. So when you can't be free, you can't move on, can't change, you know, you've stuck. That's when the liver is blocked. So fascinating. So what would be a path for that person? Would it be some of the the work, to, same thing as everything, finding the emotional block? And exactly, releasing? yes. Yeah. It's important to release that trauma because that's what's caused it. This way, you, I can believe that person may have cut, uh, his hair came back when he got married because suddenly he had hope again. Mm -hmm. He lost it. He lost the old. He's let go of the old of the past. He's got his own family now. There's new hope, new love. Again, this faith. He can. He's going with his life. So of course, it's going to come back. So for anyone else out there that um, has alopecia or any other condition, but specifically alopecia, that is very good insight about releasing the hopelessness, the loss of trust, and the courage to rebuild. Thank you for that. So interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit more about our, you know, the healing, the unhealable. If someone's out there and they feel like they are unhealable or they've tried everything, I mean, obviously they can get in touch with you, but is there anything specific that they can do today to start down that path? Not releasing those emotions. But there's one particular thing I want to talk about with the unhealable. There's no, there's no condition that can't be healed, but why is it that people can't be healed? It's about finding what's unhealable in a person rather than the condition. What I've found in my years of practice is that there's something that holds us unforgivable. Now, we're going to why it's unforgivable. It's not always something huge when you look at it from the outside. What they hold as unforgivable is very personal. It's due to the broken alliance with some part of the self. That could be with your inner child, your inner adolescent, your higher self, your soul. You've got to get some part of yourself and there's a split. It's what people hold as unforgivable. Could be a simple example, let's say as a child, you know, you've promised you you'd never do something like become like your parents. It's a common one. Later when you find you become like them after all, something you hold in, inside is split. You've gone against you in a child and you hold it as unforgivable. I can't forgive this because I'm like my parents after all. I can't forgive them. Simple things like that we hold as un, unheal, unforgivable and therefore it makes us unhealable. 
The trick is to find what can't be forgiven and learn how to forgive it by healing that broken alliance. Then suddenly, I'm just going to stop you. It's such gold because I want you to say it again. <laughs> find what can't be forgiven. Exactly. And then they will heal. The reason they can't be healed is because they can't forgive themselves. Listeners, if you're willing, you know, if you're willing to allow yourself to go there and really feel into what can't be forgiven in your life, and that can really be the stepping stone on the path to healing. Exactly. Once you can become that one, you can start healing again. There are people who won't be healed because they can't be forgiven. Everybody else is getting better than they are not. Once you find out what it is you can't be forgiven and actually find a way of forgiving it, then it all moves. Forgiveness is so topical right now, specifically, even before this call, I was thinking about just how curious it is and, and slightly baffling to me that so many people or that no one has come forward to either acknowledge or apologize. Um, and I guess, you know, in, in my life, but just in all of my friends' lives, like no one has come forward to acknowledge or apologize the way they treated us or the things they said or the, but I guess I'm not really hanging out for an apology, but I kind of would be like, it would be really nice. But yes. <laughs> I think, for, but I do have friends who are like, I will never forget. I will never forgive. And they're really mm. holding on to that. Yes, what that what message do you have for those people? Remember, first of all, we don't suppress emotions, so you feel it. The problem with forgiveness, people are saying to forgive, they're trying to say stop being angry, and that's not what we're doing. So if you feel angry, wonderful, really feel that, so get it all out. It has its own kind of time, as it were. You, you're angry for so long, when you really express it, it runs out, it moves on to the next emotion. So forgiveness comes naturally its own time, we don't push it. We continue to work through the emotions. If you're angry, wonderful, we say, feel the anger, there's no judgment. We don't say you have to forgive. Now you feel angry, that's great. That's what you feel right now. There's no judgment. You're feeling angry. That's an emotion. You welcome it. When you finish feeling angry, then you move on. That's in your own time. There's no pressure. If somebody spends weeks going through anger, that's okay. Mm. It takes as long as it takes them to get the anger out of the system. How do you recommend they do that? Keep welcoming it. <laughs> I said, also, don't be identified. Don't say I'm an angry person. I'm feeling angry. Mm. Also, don't judge it. We push emotions away because we judge them as wrong. No emotions are wrong, they're just emotions. If you're really angry, that's okay, feel angry. Don't make a big thing out of it. Lots of people are angry. You know, you're not alone in being angry. You're not doing anything wrong, you're not being special. You're just angry, and that's okay. So you feel angry. Once you take the judgments away and stop identifying with it, it becomes easy. You just welcome it, eventually it passes. So keep feeling it, it'll pass. I think it's such a good reminder for people to know that anger is okay, because we've had such the mantra here in New Zealand of, you know, be kind, be kind. Many of us, myself included, feel almost allergic to that word now, mm -hmm. uh, or at least very triggered by it. But um, be, be, knowing that it's okay to be angry, and my listeners have heard me say this many times, but I've been more angry in the last four years than I had in the preceding 45 years or whatever. Yes. So combined. So there, there is a lot of anger out there at the moment. There are a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger to be released. That's a good thing. They're feeling it now because if they don't feel it, they're, they're more suppressed. The kind of ones in charge of one, they put you down, took your power away. If you don't express yourself, you don't get anywhere. Your anger makes you assertive. That's what it's there for. Everything has a reason. Mm. So yes, we want to be kind, but not to everybody. Mm -hmm. You don't be kind to the person who's abusing you. You, you stop them. <laughs> 
you assert yourself. Well, I'm so thrilled that we're talking about healing. Just two days ago, I did this activity in a group that I'm in, and it was called the DPS, which is a daily purpose statement. And we were to write down every day I get up to dot, 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 so that dot, dot, dot. And what came to me, and I wrote it straight away without thinking, every day I get up to shine the light on people, problems, and possibilities so that we can come together and heal humanity. Right. And I feel like that's what I'm doing today. Well, what I shine the light, I'm shining the light on you and you are here to heal humanity. And I feel like that's just such a reaffirmation. It's confirmation for me. (laughs) Exactly. We all have some purpose in life. We all want to make a difference to this world in our own way. And it's good to know what your purpose is so you can stick to it. Once you know your real drive, you really get on with it. I think a lot of people are starting to really wonder what their purpose is even more than they have before, which is exciting is good there's something comes comes out of this uh, oppression that makes people fight back and find themselves i'd love to know uh, the journey you've been on in in the last year or so what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave well first of all speaking more about things you're not allowed to speak about you know i've been close to being thrown off social media many times by talking about things like vaccine damage and natural healing and so on but actually the biggest one is actually the, the magical battle that's going on We've always worked against oppression and all the corruption in the world, but lately I've really taken the big ones, Illuminati, their top magicians, and so on. That's been a huge battle. I actually lost the sight of my left eye in this battle. So it is very real. But I've been fighting hard, and I've seen many of them coming down, being arrested and being exposed and so on. So that's a big battle at the moment, taking out the top corruption now, really trying to bring it down finally. Let's. I know exactly what you're talking about. Some people won't. What What do you mean? So first you were talking about social media. Then you were talking about taking down the Illuminati. So um, do you mean that in with your energy and uh, you and you you've been working yes. towards helping the the you know the good side take down the Illuminati? Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. There's been a, a pow- empowerment I've been sharing from the Japanese magic called the Kuruma Kabar, which is an energy of destruction, basically. I've, I've initiated people to it and work together every day, taking out those top targets and work together to bring them down. And we see it gradually working. So there's the power of the collective energy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that is <laughs> that is huge. <laughs> and I, I do you feel like there's a shift? Do you feel like we're making some progress, humanity? Oh yes. If you're actually watching what's going on, you know, you start noticing because it's not obviously the ones on the, on the news. Mm-hmm. Once you start following the money trail and see who's behind it, we've watched them actually being arrested, exposed, and taken down. But it's not in the main media. But we've watched on you know, various uh, life uh, life uh, news programs on the internet and so on see what's going on that's not in main media and we can see certain people being arrested certain companies going down these are all the ones we're targeting because actually what, what's really behind the corruption you mentioned what earlier you think it is then what I, you think it is you know yeah <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier trail. that we can't touch uh we can't trust the politicians do you believe that the politicians to a certain extent are kind of more like puppets like they're not really the ones making the decisions or what are your thoughts on that well they have their own part in the, to play but you see when you really look all the governments are registered corporations, on for profit. And if you've ever been in business, you have these kind of companies you can do searches for to find how, a com- how each corporation works. And you see yes. that all the governments are registered corporations. They're run for profit. They sell legislation. It's all about money. So they have their place. You know, they're not innocent because they're also big companies that take money. They all sell our human rights, basically, to, who, to the, who is paying for it. The legislation they make is not for our benefits because somebody's paid for it. Mm-hmm. 
you can look at these up, you know, it's like the police paid a lot of money to have the right to put out speed cameras because they make more money. The pharmaceutical company is a big one. They've spent lots of money on the, on the legislation to actually take away their, their accountability so they can get away with what they're doing and put out untested drugs. So you can't actually uh, you know, claim any compensation from them. They've done a lot of legislation to suppress natural medicine to get rid of the competition. It's all paid for. Yes. So, so of course the government's a part of that because they're one selling the legislation. This is the biggest corruption. They're basically selling out human rights when they're supposed to be our representatives. And a lot of people won't see that. They wonder if they they think, no, we pay taxes. The government's here. You know, they're doing a good job. They're here to to support us. Maybe well, it's time. In- for Those in business call. who do these, these searches, these search companies can actually see what, what they're doing because it's all there. How much money they're being paid in various various contracts. You can see it happening. You know, it's, Most of the public don't see it, but if you're in business and watch the money, that's when you see it. Well, thank you for that reminder. And thank you for upping your brave. What about your bucket list? Something that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime? Maybe something right we now. can help you with? <laughs> Right now, I'm actually spreading my work into this area. I was I was in the UK and Europe, and now I'm coming into Asia. So I'm spreading my work now into Australia, New Zealand. So that's my next thing. So that's certainly, you can help spread, spread the word around there, share it with your friends. Um, sign up for my newsletter so you can get information of what's coming. So I'm doing a new course, uh, Ultimate Healing course, starting in January. So it'd be a great time to start looking at that. There'll be... A webinar I'm giving to give, explain how it all works with, with free empowerments in it and also a free Sinex program to clear your vaccine damage. So that's all coming up free. So it will give you into touch, into touch my work. So look out for that and spread the word. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this live, amazing. And if you're listening to it later, um, you can also take the replay link and you can private message it to someone in your life or post it if you dare on socials. Um more and more people are open to hearing the other side of the story, which is what Reality Check Radio is all about. And more and more people, in my view, are interested in hearing about holistic health and well-being, not just big pharma-funded sick care, which is not healthcare, mm-hmm. it's sick care. So mm-hmm. I think we're all cottoning on. And so please go ahead and share Peter's uh, this interview, as well as the links to his amazing free courses. Did you say Ultimate Healing? That's the course that's coming up, it's Ultimate Healing course. I mean, that's a paid course, but I'm giving okay. a free webinar first for where I answer all your questions and explain how it works. I give some free empowerments on there as well. Brilliant. Well, remind us, um, if there's anything else coming up, let us know in the next six months or so. But um, how can we get in touch with you? What are any socials that you are still on? And what is your website again? I'm on MeWe. It's getting some more alternative social media. So we have we run groups on that. But also my website, Aziz Shamanism, my email will be there. We can actually email me anytime and I'll answer your questions. And if you sign up for a newsletter, you receive um, updates and all the new work that comes out and the courses are coming up. Amazing. So we're going to put those links on the replay page as well. You guys can go to realitycheck.radio, click replays, look for Up Your Brave, and then you can look for Peter. Um, click that link or simply just text us and say, hey, Nat, <laughs> what is Peter's email address or what is Peter's website? And I will send it to you 2057 on the text or inbox at realitycheck.radio. Uh, what else, Peter? Is there anything else you want to share with our audience today before we wrap things up on this topic of heal the unhealable or anything about the state of the world and what's to come? Main reminder is that you are gods. There's nothing you can't do if you if you like start working through those blockages. So remember to welcome those emotions to get rid of all the doubts are in the way and come back to being a god. You can heal yourself. You can create your own reality. You don't have to put up with anything thrown at you from the outside. These are all manifestations of your 
of your, what we call the second V's, the past thoughts that come up when you try and create what you want. Work through those and everything will change. So stick to that. Know you're a God. Keep creating your reality, creating the world that you want and heal yourself. Amazing. Thank you so much. I have many free tools to help you along the way as well. You certainly do. Thank you so much, um, Peter, for sharing your wisdom with us today and also sharing your hope. Because I think a lot of people, you're right, have given up hope in terms of their own health and wellness, but also the state of the world. So um, thank you for reminding us how powerful we are and that we can be healed. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you, everybody, for listening. What a fascinating man. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you kept up with the pace. And if not, you can always go back and listen to the replay. My team is so amazing. They'll probably have it up um, within you know, a couple of hours. In this interview with Peter Aziz, we talked about healing the unhealable. He talked about finding what can't be forgiven and welcoming anger. He also talked about welcoming and releasing emotions and how you can create your own reality, beliefs, and expectations. That is the key. Taking your power back and how we do suppress emotions in layers. And he talked about, well, all sorts of different body uh, parts that are related to different emotions, including anger, grief, um, apathy, unconsciousness, all sorts of things. So I hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what resonated for you. Or if you do have any questions, you can get in touch with Peter. We're going to put all of his links. There's actually quite a number of Um, ways you can contact him and reach out, but he also has some incredible free resources. So for example, he's got a newsletter all about taking your power back, and he's got a manifestation masterclass as well as live monthly Q&A calls, um, and then a webinar coming up all about ultimate healing and free radionics and healing for vaccine damage, all sorts of things. The main place to go, I think, is going to be the website, which is azizshamanism.com. I'm going to spell it A-Z-I-Z or A-Z-I-Z S-H-A-M-A-N-I-S-M.com. And then on Instagram, aziz.shamanism, Facebook, azizshamanism. He's also on BitChute. He's also on YouTube, Aziz Shamanism. So amazing consistency with the the name there. So you can just type that A-Z-I-Z Shamanism and you'll find it, definitely. Now, one thing, after we finished the interview, I actually messaged Peter and said, listen, I I, I wasn't sure if I should ask you about this and I didn't on the interview, but I would love to know what is your perspective on Gaza? And here's what he said. He actually typed it back to me. I'm going to read it to you. Once again, to understand what is happening here, we follow the money trail. Israel was created as a military state in 1948, entirely funded by the Rothschilds as the center for their new world order. Hamas, in return, is funded by Israel. So you see, this isn't really a war between Israel and Hamas, as they both work for the same agendas. Part of the plan for the global reset is to set up wars that leave cities in ruins, and then build their new smart city in their place. In smart cities, everyone is under control. The global reset is about us owning nothing and having no privacy. Basically, under the new world order, we will all be slaves. So in this case, the real culprit is the Rothschilds. So, there you go. For some of you listening, that'll be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. 
For other people, that will be like, what the actual? So just sit with it. And that you're sometimes, you know, because it's been so fascinating, has it not? To see certain people, and usually it's the same people that virtue signaled last time for whatever the cause of the week may have been. This is my view, not not Peter's anymore. Um, it was. It has been so fascinating to see those same people just li- literally pick up a different flag and wave it around. That, that's my view. Um, so... <laughs> Yes. So whatever your view is on what's going on right now, going on right now, that was Peter's view. And I think it it definitely is worth some strong consideration. So we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can get in touch with us 2057 on the text inbox at realitycheck.radio. And now we're going to go to a song. This is quite a long song. I'm not sure if we'll play it all, but this is Shiva Tandava Stotram, which is the original powerful and best trance. This is a song that Peter has chosen, and I hope it helps you to chill out and maybe to visualize the world that you want to create. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And I've got a returning guest. The amazing Nolene Lovingson has been on my show before. And today she's back. Last time we were talking about personality profiling and such. And this time she's back. Today we're talking about empowering moms and families using homeopathy as a first aid for kids. Welcome back, Nolene. Hi. So great to be Zooming with you all the way from Tipuki in uh, in the North Island. For those of you that don't know Nolene, she is an acute prescribing homeopath, passionate about teaching moms how to use homeopathy for their children. Nolene has been using homeopathy for her own family for the past 30 years. She has many strings to her bow, but all the strings have the common theme of empowering others to take care of themselves in order to thrive. Love that. Nolene confesses that she is a born teacher and just loves to share her knowledge on a myriad of subjects to assist others in their journey through life. When living in South Africa, she studied homeopathy for four years and homeotoxicology for another four years. She was unable to sit the exam for both qualifications as they were add-on courses for doctors and dentists. But when her own daughter was very ill, she sought out the care of a homeopath in Auckland who encouraged her to get a certificate herself, which she did and focused her attention on pregnancy, birth, babies, and children. She had worked with children and in pregnancy and postpartum arena in her sound therapy for many years, so adding the homeopathy to the mix worked really well. I'm so happy to hear about that. Number one, I love kids and babies. I don't know if everyone knows this about me. They know I love business. They know I love truth and freedom. I love kids and babies. I have a massive place in my heart for them and like taking care of them and all the things. Um, It's not something I actually do in my job or business, but I just love hearing about it and helping other people to do that. So today I'm happy to share your wisdom with our audience because if we can empower moms and families to look after their own and not just rely on the system, then yay, everyone's a winner. So can you start off telling us some of the basic foundations? What is homeopathy? How does it work? Okay, so the premise of homeopathy is like cures like. So we're using um, a picture of how the person is demonstrating their, their illness and matching it to a remedy that actually produces those symptoms. So if I can give you an example of this, 
if I um, get sick, I will sneeze. You, when you get sick, and you might get the exact same illness as me, but you get a sore throat. Um, when I um, get ill, I might feel very weepy and sad and I want company. That's a specific remedy. So um, homeopathy is not treating an illness. It's treating how you actually present the illness. And each of us present differently. So, for example, if a baby is teething, um, it might become really grumpy and angry and biting and hitting. And, and that's a specific remedy, believe it or not. And then there are other babies who have the same teething, but they become weepy and whining. And that's a different remedy. So we treat, we're using like curing like, and we're looking for a picture. We're not really looking for the disease. So I don't need to know that you've got a specific flu. I need to know what your symptoms are. How are you presenting that? And that's how homeopathy works. And it makes total sense. Like that, what you just explained, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Rather than going for this, you need that. It's like, no, how is it presenting in your individual unique body? Correct. Correct. And this is why teaching from an acute point of view is so important. because. Um, it is, <laughs> children get sick in the middle of the night. This is the one thing I, and everybody's had children, we all know, 11 o'clock at night, suddenly the crying starts and then you kind of don't know what the heck to do. Um, and you can't phone your homeopath at 11 o'clock at night. So it, it, when you teach somebody how to use this information, they have their own kit with them. And I teach them how to muscle check, you know, a, a kinesiology muscle checking. I teach them how to do that so that because sometimes some of the remedies look similar. Some of your fever remedies look really similar. And then you go, oh, well, is it aconite? Is it belladonna? I don't know. And so if you can muscle check, particularly when you're in a panic and the baby is crying, it's tricky. If you know how to muscle check, then you can work out this is the right remedy. And the beauty about homeopathy is when you get it right, it works in a flash. The problem is people lose faith in homeopathy because they've used the wrong remedy. Mm. And the thing about a chronic homeopath versus an acute homeopath is a chronic homeopath is looking at long-term problems, whereas an acute homeopath is looking at stuff that's just coming up in that moment. And the thing about an acute thing is that we change. Your acute flus and colds yes. change within a few hours. Well, I had a sore throat, but now my eyes are burning and running. And so you have to have the remedies in order to go through the illness. And basically what the, the remedy does is it winds it back to the beginning. So, you know, it'll clear the eyes and then the throat, sore throat is back. So now we go to the sore throat and then we wind our way back out of the illness. So acute homeopathy, and I learned this my, the, the hard way myself. I, I took my little boy when he was six months old. I didn't know he had pneumonia. And I took him off to my chronic homeopath. I drove an hour out of town to go and see him from Johannesburg to Pretoria, and he saw me at 7.30 in the morning and said to, said to me, oh, here is a remedy. Now, at, the point, at that point, I really didn't understand what I was doing. Um, and I took the remedy, and of course, within a couple of hours, that remedy was no longer valid. But I didn't know this. And so we really, really struggled with him, and I really did nearly lose him at that point. It was the one and only time he's ever had an antibiotic because I, he really was close to death. And, uh, you know, you don't, you're not foolish at that point. You have to do something at that point, and then you pull in the big guns. 
but he is now 22 and has never had an antibiotic since. Mm. So that was the one and only time. But the point is that I learned, obviously, through a whole lot of courses and doing all the work that I did, that um, oh, that this wasn't the way. And I found an acute homeopath to help me. Um, I must say I had an advantage because they did dark field blood analysis every single time I took him so they could see exactly what was going on in the blood. So that helped me. And it helped me for him because he happened to be a very, very sick child. But the, using the homeopathy was miraculous. And I, and I found that the muscle checking was brilliant. So I'm using my own uh, experience of life. And I want to teach others how to do this because it's such a wonderful thing. Children are going to teeth. Babies are going to teeth. No, this is something that's just going to happen. They're not sick. Yes, they throw fevers during this time. Yes, they can get diarrhea. Yes, they get grumpy. But it's all really easy to, to assist with. We're not fixing it, but we can assist with it beautifully. Exactly. Yeah. Assisting the body to heal. In a moment, I would love to go through um, a list of whatever you've got ready to go. And I've got a few questions, injuries, ailments, and emotions, and specific things that can help. A few more foundations before we do that. You've mentioned a few times muscle checking, or I think it's called muscle testing sometimes. I don't know if that's the same thing. Can you explain to my audience? Definitely, I've had previous guests who have talked about this, so it's not new. Absolutely. But for some people that it is new to, can you give a brief exact um, just description of what that is? Okay, so this is a little bit tricky to explain, but you're right, muscle testing and muscle checking is exactly the same thing. There are a number of ways in order to accomplish this, um, but the premise is that you are checking the unconscious for the information because the body knows what it needs. And I mean, I could ask you, Natalie, do you need this? You can't answer me, but I can muscle check your body and your body will know. Um, checking to see if, if the, the muscle actually holds if it's positive and the muscle releases when it's not positive. So, so I can now check, I apologize for my dog barking every now and again, but I but you can then check to see what the person actually needs. And in fact, I've taught my son how to do this, but when he was little um, uh, and we were walking through countdown and he looked at the Nutella bottle and he said, oh, I want Nutella. And I said, okay. Let's see if your body likes it. So I got him to hold it. And in the middle of countdown, I muscle checked him. And his body said no. And he didn't even answer. He just put it straight back on the shelf. Mm. It wasn't me saying no. It was him saying no. So that was my greatest uh, achievement in muscle checking. But it, it's it, there are many ways to do it. You can I can't really show you because we're on a radio show. But there are lots of different ways to accomplish it. And you're checking the unconscious. The unconscious actually knows the information. Yeah. And in the past, I did have a guest and she talked about Louisa Havers and she talked about you standing upright and sometimes your body will lean either forward or back. Other people will do it with holding their arms straight out and see, and then you push down on it or you can do the fingers. There's a few different ways to do it. Thank you for that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about, oh yes, homeopathy. Is it drops under the tongue? Is it pills? Like, are they little, I think they're tiny little white tablets. Let me, let us know. Okay, so yes, I um, for babies I use the pillules because the um, liquid is actually preserved in alcohol, and so I don't obviously give that to babies. That's a good tip. Yeah, but obviously older children can take the take the liquid, but pillules are nice and easy, and they just dissolve under the tongue. 
it's a little bit of a lactose, a uh, little ball of lactose. And, and the medicine is actually on the outside of the little, little pillule. And so you don't want to touch it. So you teach, this is the other thing that you okay. want to do. You want to teach people, you don't hold homeopathy. You put it into a little teaspoon. You put it in your baby's mouth. It dissolves. It's easy as pie. Um, so, so you don't, yeah. Those two things are such invaluable tips because some people wouldn't realize that about the alcohol or they wouldn't realize that even holding it in your fingers, your your sweat or your whatever dirt on your hands. No, you need to go straight from the bottle onto a spoon and into the mouth. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What are some things that we can have handy? Um, because I guess the idea is we have some of these things handy or we like in terms of making up a first aid kit. So I'm thinking, what are some common things? Cuts and scrapes, bumps and bruises, concussions, fever, earaches. Can you give us some specific this for that? Okay. I'm going to. I'm just going to say something initially before. Or symptoms. Or you can focus on the symptoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to do is I just want to explain to you that that homeopathy has something called a potency. So you've got either 30C or 200C or 1M. And for an acute homeopath, we use mainly 30C. We sometimes use 200 but mainly 30. And the reason is because we want to actually deal with symptoms that are happening in the body. As we go higher up in potency and homeopathy, we tend to look at more chronic problems and we look more at things that are deeply set in ourselves. It can also be on the intensity of the issue that's happening. But for my work, I'm looking at lower potencies. So I'm going to suggest that you look at a 30C for dealing with these things. So let's do deal with one that's really nice and easy to look at, and that's colic. Babies have colic, and it's it, it's so distressing because you can hear them crying, you can see they're uncomfortable, and there are some fabulous remedies for that. So our first remedy is MAGFOS. Every mother on the planet needs to have MAGFOS. MAGFOS 30, and it is the most, first of all, it's it's your pain reliever. So it isn't so much looking at a specific kind of colic. It's more generalized for pain. MAGFOS is your pain remedy. I had one mum come to see me and her baby was very, very distressed. He was eight weeks old and, and um, for one reason or another, she hadn't managed to breastfeed him and he was struggling with the formula. And we could just see he was really in a bad way. And she was alone. She, the crying was driving her mad. And um, her husband was at work and she was really struggling. So we, she came, she brought the baby to see me. We gave him a little bit of MAGFOS. Within five seconds, he was calm. She did not leave this house without having some, taking it with her. Mm-hmm. The moment it was looking like it was going to run out, she got more. So it is a marvelous remedy to have on hand, Mag. Boss. Marvelous MAGFOS 30. Exactly. <laughs> so then the other thing is that we now look at different kinds of colic. So there's one colic where the legs pull up and there's another remedy for that. So that's uh, that one. There's a remedy. And then there's another remedy for when babies pull out. So now we're getting more specific. Mm. So now we'd have to say, when your baby is having colic, can you tell me what it looks like? And then we would have to match. Um, and the remedies are chamomilla, there's colic. Uh, there are different remedies, and it depends on what the baby's doing. So that one isn't so easy just to say all remedies. The next one that's in the, the kit that is essential is called aconite. Aconite 30C is something that every single mother should have. 
this remedy can be used um, in, a in a preventative way. So, for example, you've got caught in a wind, a cold wind that you weren't expecting, and the baby got a little bit of a chill. If you immediately use aconite, you will stop the baby from getting sick. So it's a it's a remedy that is sensitive to cold wind, but it is also a remedy that deals with fevers. So that's a marvelous remedy to have in one's kit. It is just the best remedy to have. So sorry about the dog. Then our next remedy that is essential is belladonna. And belladonna is another fever remedy. And it's one that we have treated children who've had um, sunstroke, um, children who obviously have fevers. Um, they, this is a big remedy when it comes to teething. And the child looks red and hot and radiating heat mm. and uh, high temperature. Belladonna is magical for that. And then we come to all the remedies that some people are actually familiar with, like Arnica. Yes. Because Arnica is your, your number one remedy. As I said before, it's for pain, but it's also for bruising. And can also, believe it or not, be used unbelievably effectively for concussion. So that might be a little bit more on your chronic side, depending on how long the concussion has been. So that's a little bit more tricky. But definitely if uh, any knocks, bruises, um, not open wounds, Arnica. Now, one of the things I want to say about Arnica, I was talking to somebody who they were asking me what it is that I do for a living, and I was telling them, and they went, oh, I use Arnica, and it can be misused. So please, if you're going to use it as an adult, please don't take it before you go to the dentist. That is a bad idea because you're, you're increasing the blood flow, and this is not a good time to be increasing the blood flow. Now, Arnica is a cream. Is it a cream that you would rub on topically? You can. You absolutely can. It can be in a cream, but it can be in a liquid and it okay. can be in pillules. And certainly, so so you can use it like that, but certainly post-operatively, don't use it pre. Um, it's not That's not a good idea. Good tip. Um, but certainly, um, post, yes, when my son played hockey, we used to always give him Arnica after every match because you absolutely need it to recover. So Arnica is the most magical, magical remedy. The next one is also magical is Hypericum. And Hypericum is something that every mother should have in her cupboard because it's a nerve pain. So let's see for children who get their fingers jammed in the door or for tooth pain, nerve pain, Hypericum is fantastic. So it's for any time that you've hurt all your nerves in any way so it's mm. those fingers jammed in the in the door I, I did that my my finger was like hanging by a thread my the <gasps> top of my finger <laughs> when I was little okay. we had these stained glass windows like a paneling along the side of our front door this is in Canada and Toronto and my sisters and I were playing kind of this peekaboo type game you know looking through the anyway it did not end well <laughs> no it did end well I'm totally fine but yes that was I hear you that would have been handy at the time <laughs> yeah totally Okay, so so that's your hypericum. Um, gosh, there are so many remedies for coughs, for mucus that is yellow. There's mucus that is white. There's you know, there's runny tummies. There are so is it different remedies. Rem different remedies for the different types of mucus? Yeah. Yes, exactly yeah. right. Okay. So again, we're going to look, but we're also looking at how the child is presenting in terms of mood. 
because the remedy where the child is whiny and clingy and needy, that's one remedy. And then we check to see, okay, and the mucus is also yellow, yes, and the, it's running down the back. You know, so we look at all the different parts of the picture, but that mood helps us understand which is the right remedy. You know, this is the thing, Nolene, that just baffles me about modern day medicine, quote unquote, right? Allopathic medicine is they would never look at like the mood of the child. I mean, they might look at the snot and go, oh, it's clear. They're not infected, you know, or it's green. Now they're in the infected stage or whatever. It's contagious. Um, but they would never look at it so in so specifically. And in, it's just there's so such a gap in knowledge. And I'm really looking forward to in 2024 and beyond is that integration of allopathic with with holistic health that is so needed. I just had to have that quick side rant. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And this is the beauty of it because we're treating the whole person. We're not treating an illness. We're treating the whole person. Um, and, and this goes for everything. I mean, even teething babies. There are teething mm. babies who are weepy and whiny and crying and clingy. But there are teething babies who are hitting out. Um, and those babies will sometimes just have one red dot on a cheek and we go, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, chamomilla, here we go. And we pop mm -hmm. it in and it's calm. <laughs> so the beauty is that it works really fast. But the thing is that this is really for mums who want to take responsibility. It does take work. It isn't, um, you know, it it is something that you actually need to pay attention to. And if you're one of those mums, then this is heaven for you because this is just brilliant because you're going to have a whole lot less trouble in the end if you start this way. I think also as, as a mom, and I don't know if my audience knows this, but I started off as a parenting author. So before I became a business owner, I was a podcaster and an author in the realm of parenting. So that's why I say I love I love kids. And, and it was also about the marriage and the relationship. But I think for me as a mom of you know three kids under the age of five, it would be super important to take notes on the symptoms of the child because sometimes you think, oh, they're feeling really hot now. How long have they been hot and feverish? Oh, I don't know, two hours, but meanwhile, it was six hours. So like taking notes, do you advise that so that we can really notice the different changes in those symptoms? Absolutely. And part of the education process is to train people to start paying attention. So my clients will call me and they'll say, they'll start rattling it off. And I'm like, yay, you understood what it is I'm trying to tell you. Because I'm going to ask you, when did it when did it start? Did anything happen beforehand? Mm. Um, what makes it better? What makes it worse? Um, you know, so yeah, you're drinking warm things really makes it better. Yay, that helps me. Um, you know, they're they're worse at five o'clock in the afternoon. Great, that helps me. Because each weird thing that happens, that helps me work out which is the right remedy. And and really for mums, um. Honestly, this, and I know because I did this myself with my two children, it really makes your life so much easier. And, you know, we'll get caught in a, in a cold windstorm. Honestly, that those children didn't even have to sneeze. They got aconite as they walked in the door, mm -hmm. along with all the adults too, and they didn't they didn't get sick. You know, so it, it really is a way of prevention, but also to help us just through the process of growing up, because, of course, we're going to have this process anyway. Mm. Um, so you can be proactive and you can also be reactive depending. The other thing I love about this, it's so specific. What most people would do and most doctors would prescribe for sure would be like Panadol, Panadol all day long or Pamol as they call it. 
yeah for kids yeah yeah okay so this is true um and so you know panadol and pamol are very very hard on the liver mm. so it's it's definitely not a route i would go um yeah, it's just it's just not a route. I would, well, that's why I'm loving uh, about this. It gives women, you know, it gives moms and dads other options that are not just PAMOL is because it's just the go-to, but it actually has these side effects that people don't realize. And if you take too much or too often, yeah. So another thing about babies is that some moms are keen on doing the sleep training and only feeding them at certain times. That's also incredibly um, destructive. I'm not saying that all sleep training is bad. At a certain age, sleep training might be appropriate, sort of after eight months old. Um, and then, and if your baby responds to it really quickly, then it was right. If it's really not the case, I had a baby who didn't sleep, and we tried the allopathic remedy, and it was a disaster. My son just went more crazy. So it was... Um, it really didn't work for us. We had to go back to, to square one and go, okay, well, this is what we've got. Let's let's go slowly through the homeopathy and so we can get it right, which we did. Yeah. But I it, find that, yeah. you know what I find so fascinating is then when the children grow up and you start to see their personalities develop more. I had one that we did sleep training with. And honestly, it was like so easy. He just straight away was like, meh you know, whatever. And then now he's 15 and he's so meh, like whatever, you know, it's not just, he's a teenager. He's just easy breezy, whatever, just go with the flow kind of guy. And then my other guy, my youngest, oh my goodness, we tried sleep training. So stubborn, didn't work. It was so stressful. So I agree with you. It's like, that's not a route to persevere on, you know, and now he's 12 and I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. So stubborn, knows his own mind. Like you cannot be convinced. It's like, yep. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny. Absolutely. So one size doesn't fit all. So one has to really be careful. And also the, the one mama I came across was trying to sleep, not sleep train, but she was trying to feed her child every four hours and wake the child after you know, like, no, don't do that. Don't wake a sleepy baby. And and there's going to be a time where there's going to be a, a burst of growth and that baby's going to want to eat all day. Mm. Never mind every four hours. So you know, it's about learning about how this process of development goes. I think part of the education is about what's going to happen. How can we how can we help that baby and child to grow into a, a balanced, happy, content, not tortured individual? Mm. Looking for the signs and the symptoms, starting to read read them and taking notes on them. And then that's what we want to do anyway with people as they grow older. We want to notice the signs and the symptoms, not just when they say, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. Well, you don't always, you know, that's not actually the truth. So <clears throat> learning how to read people is so good. Thank you. What else? What else is in the first aid kit? Um, there are a couple of other remedies. The one that I like to put in there is pulsatilla. Pulsatilla is a, a lovely remedy for that yellow, green, snotty nose. But that's a very clingy child, a child who really wants attention. And the way you know about that it's the right remedy is that the, the, the illness changes really fast. And Pulsatilla is a flower that grows in amongst a lot of other flowers together. And they, and they move together in the wind. And you can see by the picture of the actual flower, how the person's going to, to um, be in that illness. 
um, because it's a flower that likes company. So they're lots all together Mm. and they move together in the wind and they're so changeable. And so, of course, those are are the things, the elements that you see in the illness. The lots of changeability and they're yellow and so it's yellow mucus. Another one is called Merxol. We're looking at mercury. Um, and that, again, that's going to be another set of remedies, but that's often for sore throats um, and sore ears. It's usually a really good ear infection remedy. Yeah, because that's common, isn't it? Where it was yeah, for my ear boy. infections are really common. And one of the things that I used to see that used to happen with children is that, that through actually having allergies to different foodstuffs, um, they would have this constant mucus issue in the sinuses, which would then lead to ear infections in the Mm. ear. So instead of looking at diet, what's going on, because we know the liver detoxes through the sinuses and through the gut, and and the skin, and so when we see those things happening, we've got to say to ourselves, hang on a second, the the liver is trying, trying to detox something. Let's see what's going on. What could it be? Could it be the formula? Could it be something else? Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what it is, um, it could be something that you're eating, and if you're breastfeeding, then the baby's reacting to that. But then those ear infections, and then there's grommets. Sorry, you want to say? Something? Well, no, I'm just thinking there's there's so much to know, there's so much to cover. Um, for those people that are listening and thinking, oh my gosh, where can I get this first aid kit? Or oh my gosh, can I just talk to Nolene one on one because I can't keep track, or I want to ask her a specific question? Do you do that? Yes, do you... I do do one on ones. I do. Okay. Um, but I I try to empower people. I'd, I'd rather that they actually learned the information. Yeah. And so that they could take care of themselves. I mean, I'm always there for um, help. My <laughs> one client who did so well with me with her little girl has now decided to become a homeopath <laughs> and a cute prescribed her. But it's uh, yeah, it's. It is about um, empowering mums. I really, yeah. but I am here one on one, and I'm I'm always happy to help. Absolutely. Okay. And the second part of that question is: Do you actually sell these first aid kits, or is it more a matter of people just going to their local health shop and and picking up a few things? I do sell the kits, and um, I work with another homeopath who's a chronic homeopath, um, and she's also a doula. So it's a nice combination between the two of us. And um, I, she helps me make up the kits for mums. So it's 40 remedies, 42 remedies, I think, which is a really nice substantial kit. But yeah. that doesn't stop you from going out. And With some it. instructions, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but it doesn't stop you going out and getting, um, you know, Arnica, Hypericum, mm-hmm. Magfoss in, at home to start with. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. But it's really learning how to use that. Otherwise, it's just going to sit on the shelf. If you don't understand how to use it, because it's a frequency of how many times you use a remedy. Yes. This is something that's really important. If you overuse a remedy, you actually prove it. And what that means is that you can create the symptoms that it's designed to cure. So or let's not use the word cure. It's designed to assist. Mm-hmm. So if we, um, for example, we use a the remedy arsenicum, which is arsenic, okay? Um, and this is wonderful for sneezing and allergies and food poisoning. Um, but if you give too much of that remedy, you actually create the symptoms that you're trying to fix. So it, understanding how to use home, homeopathy is essential. Yes. That's why I'm trying to use it as a teaching aid and a, and a course that you can join 
And it's a dead easy course. It takes six weeks. It's two hour modules over six weeks. And it really is, it's, it gives you the grounding that you need. Mm. It might not give you every answer, but it's accompanied by a book by Marinda Castro. It's called Homeopathy for Mother and Baby. And she writes it so beautifully. The explanations are outstanding. And, um, and you need to learn how to use that book. And that's available, I think, on Amazon. And it's available from the Homeopathy Society here in New Zealand. Um, but it is just the most wonderful book. But learning how to use it is really essential. Amazing. So I'm going to ask the question, which is, um, how can people connect with you if they just want to follow you online or if they want to purchase this kit or the course? How can they do that? Super. They can go to my website, which is familyfocus, family-focus.co.nz. And um, they can reach me there. Every All my contact details are there and the course details are there as well. It's, it can be done online. Um, so it doesn't, we, it can be done all the way through New Zealand. It doesn't have to be just where I live. Okay. And is it DIY, which means um, do it yourself so they can do it self-paced learning or is it a set time with meetings? Yeah. Well, if we get a class together, then we went, then because there was one group of friends that wanted to do it, they, they had, they came together each week. Yeah. So, but it doesn't have to be, it can be self, you know, it can be done as and when you need it. Cool. Okay. Get your coffee groups together, ladies, if you want to, or dads, of course, I keep saying moms, but this is for moms or dads, anyone who wants to be empowered with this natural health and all about um, homeopathy and first aid kit, first aid for kids. Uh, Nolene, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? Um, this is a bit of a controversial thing I'd like to say. And um, I would like moms to please go out and buy um, a small bottle of dandelion. It's made with the, the root and the um, leaves. And that really is for, I know it's going to be controversial, but that's for shedding. And we'd like to protect our children for those who didn't have the choice and needed to, to take the jabs to really look after the children. And the dandelion is so wonderful. It supports the liver. It helps the body to, to get rid of the, the spike protein. And it's just something that really every single household should really have. If you want to know where to get it, please email me. I'll let you know. Um, but it's not expensive and it's just something that every every single family should have. So it's it's dandelion. So that's the only thing I wanted to add in. I'm going to go get some. Thank you for that. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Nolene, for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nolene Levingson. We were talking about empowering moms by using homeopathy as first aid for kids. So I hope you got some really actionable tips. That's really what we were going for. This was a slightly shorter interview. And Nolene, as you know, is a returning guest, so you can go and listen to her previous interview. But on this one, it was really honing into that area of homeopathy, which we haven't covered yet on my radio show. So I always learn something new. I hope you did as well. She talked about dandelion, magfoss, aconite, belladonna, annika, which we've probably, most of us have heard of that one, and more. And um, really the big takeaway for me was being symptom specific and treating the symptoms um, rather than this is for this and that's for that. And I thought that was super helpful. And it, for me, it's all around empowering families, empowering people, sovereignty, body sovereignty, being the CEO of your own life, your own health, your own wellness, 
And so that was super helpful. And if you want to learn more, or if you want to get some uh, homeopathy into your world and into your life, you can reach out to Nolene at family-focus.co.nz, family-focus.co.nz. Um, and you can look up Nolene, I'll spell it for you, N-O-E-L-I-N-E, Levinson, L-E-V-I-N-E-S-O-N. You can look that up. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that interview and I hope you can feel more empowered about you and your family's health and wellness. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our show today. I hope you've enjoyed our three incredible guests. Uh, we had Craig Reynolds to start off with, uh, The Miracle Unfolding. And then we talked to Peter Aziz, a shaman who lives in Thailand. He's actually British. Um, all about healing the unhealable. And we just wrapped up with Nolene Levinson, all about empowering moms or families by using homeopathy as first aid for kids. So, so cool. So at this point in the show, I wanted to thank everyone. And I would love to know your suggestions, your requests for music and guests and topics and more in 2024. I didn't mean to rhyme, but there you go. We would love to know, I would love to know, what do you want to hear more of? What absolutely resonated with you? Or even if there's something you didn't like, let me know as well. As you know, I usually interview people that are aligned with my way of thinking, but I'm more than open to interview people that see the world in a totally different way. I have no problem with that. In fact, it would, would be quite fascinating. So if you have guest suggestions along those lines, then definitely let me know. Also, over the break, I really want to encourage you to tap in to, of course, any of my replays, and please do share them with people in your life. It really helps energetically. It will help them shift, but also it just helps the whole collective energy of New Zealand and beyond. But also tune into some of the replays of some of my co-hosts. I am so honored to work alongside amazing people like Peter Williams, Rodney Hyde, We've got uh, Paul Brennan with his his morning show every morning, um, Don Nicholson and Jazz Preet with their incredible Greenwash show, and Marie with her counterculture. Also, Tobias, by the way, Tobias Tahi has put together an amazing um, Christmas and also a New Year's special, so you can be listening out for those. We also have a new show, Jerry Pive's show, um, recently started airing, so check that out as well. There's no shortage of incredible content, as you know. And if you haven't already got the app, come on, my dad is 80. He's got the app. You guys can do it. <laughs> it's free. You can download the app. It's kind of possibly an easier way for you to listen and, and for, to look for replays. I kind of do both, to be honest. I'm sometimes on my app on the phone, but then when I'm on the laptop, I just go to realitycheck.radio and I find my information there. Uh, thank you so, so, so much for listening. And I've got a very, very short little flashback from my interview with Bruce Lipton, probably one of the, the highlights, I suppose, of my um, interviewing career because Bruce is so amazing, but also because Bruce is coming back. He's coming back to New Zealand next year. The amazing Jenny Kennedy, also a former guest of mine, has arranged a massive event. It's happening in Tauranga. It's happening in March or possibly April. Um, and Bruce is going to be back in town. So I thought I'd give you a little flashback to my interview with Bruce. And if you want in, uh, to book some seats to come along to that event, uh, you can con you just type uh, contact Jenny Kennedy or else I know. I will put a post on my Up Your Brave 
on my social media and you can check it out there. All right, here's Bruce. That's the mechanics of what's going on in our universe with us, ourselves. We are energy. Everything around us is energy. The house you live in, the decorations you put on the wall. Feng Shui, for a couple of thousand years, the Asians have told us everything is energy. And where you put the pieces determined, you know, like a crystal structure. And so Feng Shui says, if you put the crystals around, the energy things around you, plants or artwork or whatever it is, because everything is energy, you create a, a focus of energy that can enhance your life. Uh, I give examples. It's very simple. Uh, most people uh, have a living room set based on getting a couch and two matching chairs. And I go, yeah. And I say, and when you put it in your house, I bet you there's one chair you sit in, but you won't sit in the other chair. It's like, that's my chair versus the other chair. And I go, well, what's different? I go, feng shui, <laughs> meaning what? The energy that you decorate your house, those are energies that are powerful to you because you pick out the things that make you feel good and you put them all over the place. When you design it, the energy has a focus. Guess what? It will focus on the one chair that you like, but not on the other chair. And I say, so what's the relevance? I said, the energy is life. So when you sit in your chair, the focus of the energy you created, the crystal structure around it, you feel better in that chair. And the other chair is exactly the same chair, but it doesn't feel the same. And so we're talking of a new kind of insight that said, yeah, we're all so caught up in the physical reality, but we're not paying attention to the energy reality, which is more real than the physical reality and our connection to everything around us, and our influence by everything around us. Uh, and all of a sudden, it says, oh, wait, then my life is manifesting or dealing with the energy. And I go, yeah, this is this is the whole story. And it's very hard because most everybody out there doesn't even recognize that everything is energy. So right away, that's a, that's a hard jump to get to the first place, because we're so caught up in a real world. But the energy entanglement is who and what we are. And then it comes down to a very simple equation at the bottom because it says energy is life. More energy, more life. Less energy, less life. Good vibes versus bad vibes. And people, I, I say that and everybody goes, oh yeah, that's cool. I go, you didn't get it. And I said, what's that? We read energy. And I say, what does that mean? It says, you know when you're in the energy that makes you feel right, and you know when you're in the energy field that doesn't make you feel right, and that the mission statement is more life, that means always go toward more energy and avoid the energy that is used and gives you nothing back. Uh, and this all of a sudden becomes a guide. And, and the simple guide, Natalie, is this, is that every action takes energy. You've heard the words open fair both sides of the story it's easy to say them but practicing them often seems like a bridge too far new zealand it's time for a reality check reality check rcr reality check radio rational discussion common sense and open debate for real 
with me, Paul Brennan. You know, you just can't make this stuff up. You couldn't write the script. Veteran broadcaster Peter Williams. Where is the evidence they actually make a difference? It turns out that was a very fair question to ask. Taking on the mainstream, Chantel Baker. Mainstream media, as usual, in their little perch. The man who cares so much and whose background is for real, Rodney Hyde. The doctors don't believe them. They can't get ACC. They can't work. They're told it's all in their head. Along with a raft of contributors to inform, entertain and bring the truth back to New Zealand media. It's time for a reality check, all right. RCR, Reality Check Radio at www.realitycheck.radio. We've arrived. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This is Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I'm sending you off with massive gratitude for being an incredible listener today or possibly for the past uh, nine or more months as we've had such an incredible journey with Reality Check Radio, a journey that we intend to carry on in the new year and far beyond so that we can bring truth and freedom and empowerment to New Zealand, make New Zealand great again. Yes, indeed, we already are. So it's been incredible to have you listen and join us today. Please enjoy the replays over the break. Please give yourself a break. I'm going to take a little bit of tech time off. I'm going to have a little tech holiday myself. Um, So whatever you do, do it with intention. And always remember, to up your brave. You can learn more about what I'm up to. um, And if I can help you in any way, let me know, upyourbrave.com or upyourbrave on the socials. See you next time. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR Reality Check Radio.